0: Ooh, that looks tasty. Support for Boards and Brews comes from Sovereignty. Play board games in a 3D environment on any device. Play smarter. Welcome, folks. Today, the Hunger Gamer is back with another episode of Boards and Brews. And today I am joined again, or as he would say, again, by Don Baggett of the Secret Cabal. And as a second time on, we get to skip most of the rapid fire questions, but just in case anybody has been living under a rock or in your hometown, who the crap are you and what is your brewed beverage today?
1: Right. So uh, I'm Don Baggett. I am a host of the Secret Cabal Gaming Podcast, one of five hosts. It's a podcast that's been going steady and strong for about 10 years. We've taken a small hiatus because of a a slight medical emergency we'll talk about in a bit. Um, but anyway, that's my brand, the Secret Ball Gaming podcast. <clears throat> As for what I'm drinking, so today is a very special day because I am drinking something called Doubles. And if you look at that, that is imagery from The Big Lebowski. I got this from a local brewery called Jailbreak. Which, Will, you have actually been out, right? You visited the East Coast, and we went to this place, play some games together.
0: Yeah, you know, it was really cool. The, the all the tables look like the bowling out uh, bowling lanes, and yeah, great, great, great stuff. I can't. Uh, I think I went home with the uh, a six-pack of special lady friend, I think.
1: Yeah, that's one of my favorites, man. So anyway, this is doubles. Uh, of course, the suggestion being the doubles, right? Doubles Bowling, uh, which is featured so prominently in the Big Lebowski. We got to watch out though, because it's called doubles because the double IPA. So if this, if this conversation goes very long, it might devolve exponentially. So well, that's all uh, right. Anyway, so that's have, what I'm
0: drinking. We have a nice sponsor bump in the middle where you can go get another. <laughs>
1: oh man, another oh, can if you need it. That's dangerous. That's very yeah. dangerous. I'm
0: a I'm a fan of this, so I, I have uh, my my usual uh, Fort Point Kolsch K S A, in the in this lovely glass that uh, uh, Mark Dainty from Not Board Gaming actually sent me from England. So this is really? an official England pint glass or whatever you call it. I don't know. <laughs> and after he sent it, because he, he, he bought six. I was like, oh, those are so cool. He's like, ah, I'll send, I only need four. I'll send you two. And after he's like, you know, I could have just bought you some from someplace nearby for a lot cheaper than, than mailing these dumb things. But
1: but it would not have been are. nearly as authentic. No, I as, don't think it would have worked Mark's as well. It. Mark's a good guy. That's a good gift. I like Mark.
0: Yeah. 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 He's a, uh, you know, you you have, you are now one of, one of three, repeat hosts that we've had.
1: Oh, very cool. I feel uh, a rarefied air that I'm in here. Yeah, you know,
0: you weren't quite rarefied to join the three idiots uh <laughs> special <laughs> podcast, but you know, someday you'll be dumb enough to join us.
1: Hey, right, thanks. I, I appreciate know. it. I'm trying to work my way up or down to it.
0: <laughs> yeah. But so we'll, we'll we'll so everybody, so today we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been playing lately and I'm not going to lie, it's a it's a big old list. Yeah. You know, of what we've been playing lately as I was telling Don just where we started uh, my buddy, Kevin, uh, you may know him as Canadian Kev. He does voiceover for me sometimes. Anytime it's like a particularly poetic voiceover, it's something that he came up with. And anytime it's just something stupid, fart jokes, it was me. But he was out for three weeks, and I told Don, we actually played almost 40 different games and had about 40 different you know sit-down play sessions. So it was a whole bunch of stuff that I played. Don't worry, I'm not going to talk about all of them. And Don's been... Uh, kind of jones and to talk about some games for a while so he's got a big old list too so strap in we got a whole bunch so we'll kind of bounce back and forth don looks like your list is a little bit bigger than mine so i'll let
1: you get started sure so the first thing on my list and this is the one that i've played uh the farthest back is unsettled this is a co-op game that is from um, orange nebula and they did vindication so this is sort of the the latest i believe game in their line and this and, is a and I'll very... say Vindication.
0: Yes. I just got this the other day. So, and I, ha- I haven't opened it other than to organize it. But so, well, yes, I got uh,
1: mine months ago. I opened mine and got it organized. Uh, I don't think I've been able to play that one yet, though, because you know, zombie apocalypse, all this stuff going on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Unsettled. Unsettled what yeah. is unsettled is one of these things where you are, <clears throat> you're all explorers, and you get pulled through a wormhole, and you're dumped on some planet. And there are actually six different boxes, two of which comes in the core box, and four of which are sort of expansion boxes. And you have your four scientists, right? All the military people. But you didn't go all in, in right? You, you didn't get all of it. You wouldn't do yes. that, right? No, no, no. You know, I yes, I did. So... <laughs> So, in fact, I missed this Kickstarter. And luckily, my friendly local game store, um, games and stuff here in the Baltimore-Washington corridor, uh, they get a variety of Kickstarters and sell them retail. And I found this one all in retail there. So I picked it up. I can anyway, only assume that cool. they
0: that they follow you on Kickstarter. And if any if there's anyone that you don't back, like, oh, let's get in on this.
1: So the funny thing is they do follow me and I follow the owner. I've been friends with him for a long, long time. So yeah, he gets to see all the stuff, unfortunately, that I'm picking up off, off Kickstarter. Uh, I hopefully, hopefully it helps him out a little bit. I still, I still go there cause it's a great business. I want to give, you know, I want to uh, support local business as much as I can. Uh, as I did with this purchase of Unsettled. And uh, so you have your four uh, explorers, scientists, and each, one of these planets it has a different sort of puzzle to figure out, a different theme going with it. You have the same base number of actions you can do with a few sort of um, planet-specific actions. Uh, but for the most part, you are using, we're well, not gonna call them dice. I can't remember what they call them. some kind of cubes, but they're dice, right? And you rotate them and it's sort of an action resource system. And it's all cooperative because you'll have a sequence of three, act, three tasks you've got to get done. Um, and those tasks are also, planet specific the anomalies you encounter are planet specific and for each each of the six planets there are three different sets of three tasks each so a lot of replayability especially if you pick up those expansion boxes and, and this game and is you, you so got to solve the puzzle on all the planets or just one uh so so any given game is just one puzzle on one planet and there are three sort of puzzles on each planet and uh, there are six planets. So due to math, right, you're talking 18 sort of sub games that you can play here, each of which have three tasks within each of those games. So a lot of replayability. And these planets are very different. The very first planet you play on is a planet that's um, it's a fungal planet. And so your tasks are to sort of set up labs to go get food, then to escape when things go south. And meanwhile, you're trying not to be uh, inhabited by the fungal hosts. But the funny thing is, if you're inhabited by the fungal hosts, it's good and bad because suddenly things that would have been dangerous to you on the planet are no longer dangerous because they recognize you as a fungal host, that kind of thing. A lot of good tongue-in-cheek humor. Uh, as I mentioned on our podcast a few weeks ago, uh, you know, one of the tasks, for instance, is named Welcome to the Fungal, you know, and it's it's that kind of tongue-in-cheek type stuff. And it says there's a little token that has your face on it, you know, your, your player's face. You have like 19 to choose from. And it says, choose this carefully because it'll be the last face that your friends see before they die a horrible death on whatever planet you're landed on. So everything's tongue-in-cheek. Very good game, though. Uh, for your listeners, if they can check it out, I, I would I would suggest they do. Pretty good game.
0: Yeah, my uh, other Don, as we've been talking about, who actually I'm going to go up and see him tomorrow, I, I actually, uh, designer of Backyard Chickens. He he has it and has been sitting there. He loaned it out to somebody and he was just waiting for him to give it back. So a whole bunch of us supposed to go kind of check it out and the thing that i actually listened to that podcast i forgot i'd listened to that podcast the thing that kind of grabbed me a little bit is you know we talked about vindication the knock on vindication the reason i avoided it for so long is i mean it's got a theme and then yeah. you play the game yeah. like you know it's
1: pretty abstract
0: and then you know but but it sounds like the theme's a little more integrated into this one so it's got me
1: I think that's the main difference, yeah. And I feel the theme in this game in a way that I didn't in Vindication, and I like Vindication a lot, right? And
0: you too have been a fungal host, so you know what that means. Yeah,
1: exactly, it's hey, it's art imitating life, Will.
0: <laughs> you know, you didn't want to did just put out there that you were the inspiration for the fungal
1: planet. <laughs> that's right. Well, if I am, I'm not getting the residual, so I need to be doing that.
0: Yeah, you need to jump on. All right, so that 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 is uh, unsettled. This one, boy, people were really frothing at the mouth when this thing showed up i don't know however many months ago like you couldn't couldn't open facebook without seeing six people showing their pictures of uh, of unsettled it's kind of died died away a little bit i'll be curious if you know it's has the the staying power because yeah. i feel like Vindications had a pretty decent staying power mm-hmm. you know despite the the lack of you know any, any recognizable theme but but the gameplay for that's supposed to be so good you know so i finally i finally picked it up i actually had about it turned out to be two boxes of games that I wasn't playing. Nobody really wanted to buy, so I just sent them off to one of those uh places I'll buy games, you know, kind of like GameStop, you know, real yeah. cheap. But uh, I turned two boxes of games into one Vindication. Right. So, That's how it yeah. goes. I felt pretty good about it because I got all that space back, right? Yeah.
1: Hey, don't I know it?
0: Yeah. You... I see you have a big tapestry up behind you to cover your shame.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> There's plenty of games under that and plenty <laughs> of games all the way down that Calax wall. So
0: you know the all right. but so my, my my first one I've been playing and you know like I said I we played 40 different games but th- this is one of the ones that I wanted to take back out the most and that is Uprising curse of the Last Emperor and after I finally played it again I sent to you I actually you, did you get this thing you should get it you like, yeah, I got it <laughs> I could just feel the disdain just dripping out of you of course I got this <laughs> but this is a 4X co-op 4X which had me going cuz you know I enjoy a 4X game but it's a long game those are long games yeah to get beat and i usually get beat but at least this way you know we all we all did do it together and i will say i've still been beat every single time i still haven't won but
1: it's a hard one it's a hard game
0: go it's the last time we were playing like we were, we were going through and well it's a forest co-op and so what, what's happening is each player has their own race different powers different different types of units and you're fighting against the chaos and the empire and they'll also fight each other which is one of the real cool things about that game is if you Play the game well, which we finally figured out. Like, oh no, we need to be moving our units around so it chases us, and then the two bad guys will run into each other. But of course, if you do, they get points for killing each other too. So there's a thing you got these two uh, factions that are the bad guys running around with their own little AIs, and you're building your stuff up, you're exploring you all that 4X stuff. But at the end of the game, as long as you have all of you have more points than all of these other factions, you will win. And they've done a cool job of making it where you can mess around with the difficulty. And one of the ways is every of each of the four turns, if you play a full game, you have a different event that comes out, different chapter events. And in theory, you go chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, but they get harder and harder. And so last time we were playing, we were feeling okay. And we flipped over the first chapter two card. And we're like, oh, that's not good. All right. And, uh, one of the people was playing. He just got wiped off the map. And then we're looking at this upside down chapter three. And we're like, do we really want to do that? I don't think it was like, oh, everybody look over there. No, it was always another chapter one right there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And then we got there. We're like, okay, do we want to go to the?" We did really well. And then we do want to go to chapter four. We're like, no, chapter one again. But it's one of the fun things is that you can very easily change the difficulty. Now, I will say we still lost that. Yeah. So with our three chapter ones and one chapter two, we still had one person who was like two points behind, but it's so much fun. I mean, it's super swingy, right? Cause it's, there's it is so super many swingy.
1: Dice. If there's a criticism, I think that's the one. Yeah. It's super I mean, swingy. but it tells a cool game and there's so many cool characters from both of those factions and your factions that come into play because they all play very differently.
0: And each of your of the hero factions has two different main heroes that you can play, which are different abilities and different... Because every turn, you get new abilities that they can do, and you get to choose from, I think it's 10 of them. You're going to wind up getting maybe five, yeah. maybe six, depending on what you're, what things you buy from the market and stuff. But those are all really different. And I, I assume you got the expansion. I did
1: get the expansion, yes. Which,
0: which comes with four more, and the and the four that come in the expansion box... Have all kinds of unique mechanics. Yeah. Like they are completely different. I don't know if you've experienced any of those. I yet. haven't
1: played with them yet because the first one, the first time I played, I literally was, I played it solo, but with two factions against, you know, both of the factions in the, uh, you know, the, the AI controlled factions, and I was beat down so brutally both times I tried that I realized that the the hate this game was trying to unleash on me really was not intended to be unleashed on one person i needed somebody there to, to take this you know whooping with me and so i haven't broken it out yet but I will. oh
0: yeah you gotta got bust it just bust it out chain just do just do four chapter ones
1: yeah and you yeah. would still probably lose it is a brutally difficult yes. game but that's part of the that's part of the draw of this game right
0: and the but one of the other things i find and i mean you can't ignore the dice swinginess i mean it is. Yeah. You know, you get different colors of dice depending on your unit, which is part of the fun. You had to pick what units you put out there because they're going to have a different color die, which might be more defense. It might be more it's, you know, magic power or whatever it is. But there's blanks on those things. A and lot of blanks, guys, it seems like. <laughs> you know, it, it, it and the, the bad guys get a lot of dice too. And they're they, they come out and they're super intimidating because they have all these dice. But of course, if you don't fight them, they get stronger every single round, so you have to just kind of throw your troops at them and hope it goes well. And what I have heard is a rumor, unconfirmed, is that they're working on it on another a reprint and expansion. And the expansion is going to come with a good bit of dice mitigation.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, that'll be a good change, I think.
0: Is is the rumor that I've heard? Now, for me, I don't. I, I love my chaos, and I am perfectly happy to throw. 12 dice and get all blanks and be like, wow, I'm a horrible leader. But just for that one moment when the bad guys do it too, or I throw them, you know, you get the huge hit. So I'm okay with that, but I do understand why some people get on it. But let me tell you, I really like, I keep looking up. It's just in the corner out of sight. Yeah. Keep looking at it. I really, really like this one. And it's got the, these really cool acrylic standees, which does two things.
1: One, it makes it a little bit cheaper, but two it means the box isn't so big,
2: yeah.
1: Which and it highlights the artwork in a way that minis can't, right? The yep. artwork is really good, uh, and those stand, those acrylic standees make make it pop. Uh, it's sometimes a little harder to see when you got things stacked up in a hex or whatever You yep. see exactly what's what's going on. But you know, it's a little bit of a trade off, and you get some really beautiful standees out of it.
0: Yeah, it really it really does look good. Now, the only big thing I have with the production, I'm the only person I know who said this, I. Really don't like how the cards feel. Really? Like, I find they stick and I just, I do not sleeve stuff.
1: Yeah, I sleeved mine. So they feel just like any other cards to me.
0: Yep. Well, this one I did. I, I took them out and I was organizing and I, I was, people who were just listening. You you can't see this, but I was like, suddenly I was like feeling my hands. I was like, what is, what is happening here? I don't, I don't <laughs> like this. And uh, I just, I took my buddy, uh Kevin, we went to a store. I was like, we're getting, we're getting sleeves right now. And then we spent, 2 hours sleeping the dumb thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is dude. definitely
1: the kind of game that after you sleep it you feel like you did some work. Yeah, but oh,
0: I felt I feel so much better now. You know, I'm like, ah, this is this is nice. But but that said, like they're thick. They're thick cards. I just don't like the finish on them. But no one else has complained about it, so I think it's just me. But, you know, whatever. All right, so I that's that, that's my first one I've been playing a lot and I've been thinking about constantly uprising. What's your next one?
1: So I have been playing a game called, uh, beast. And I don't know if you've talked about this. We talked about our podcast. I think, did you do it? You did a preview for it. Is that correct? Yeah, I, 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 yeah.
0: I did a, did a, did a preview for it. And then, uh, I heard you talking about it and I was like, Hey, Don, you want to copy a beast? Yes.
1: I knew you had sent it to me. So I was like, I think he's done. A yeah, video I, here.
0: So, I, I was like, yeah. I was like, do you want this thing. And let me tell you, if you want to, Don, you know, I send a message, you know, it you know, a few hours usually. I heard back, like,
1: instantly. (laughs) Yeah, I was really excited, yeah. Beast, because I'm a huge fan of hidden movement games. And so that does two things. First of all, any hidden movement game that pops on the radar I'm immediately intrigued by. But there's also a high bar to reach because I expect so much. And I will say that Beast exceeded that bar for me because not only is it a great hidden movement game, there's an aspect of card drafting between the Beast player and the settler player Player or players. That's really intriguing because each card's got something that the the the, the humans can do, and it's got something the beasts can do. So when you're drafting, it's like, oh man, it's really a choice of what do you give that other side. And similar to Inish from a few years ago, it's the same cards every time. So you know what capabilities are out there. You know, there's a. It's not like there's going to be some, uh, you know. Big unknown of what can be done. You can look. It's not like a blood
0: rage where you get the the new set of cards, which is going to kind of change what what's happening. So for the you You know know what's
1: coming, right? There's only so many opportunities to attack, so many opportunities to move, depending on the cards that are uh, out there. And I was very surprised because once the hunt was on in that game, I played the beast because you know. Um. So once the hunt was on in that game, it's like they always had your scent. They always had your track, and they're so close. And it really is one of those games reminded me of spectrops a little bit in this regard. Like there are these small decisions that are huge turning points in the game, but you never feel like you lost them and they never feel like, you know, they completely lost you. It's, it's just this perfect balance throughout. I really enjoyed this game and mm-hmm. there are, I think, four beasts in the base box. I hope I didn't yeah, get the number wrong. I think maybe in the Kickstarter, I think they unlock one more. I think there's five. Oh man. That's because I, I I've only be played wrong. one and. It was so well done. I just picked one randomly and it was the swamp-based monster. I can't remember the name of the monster, but uh, you know, there are thematic things you can do with that monster. And there are thematic things you can do with all the other monsters because they also have these little sub-monsters, these minions running around that do particular things and can get powers. And throughout the game, you build up different powers for your beast and for your minions. Uh, it's just It was so good.
0: Yeah, one of the, the, the neat things that you talk about the different you know, powers that you get is each of the beasts has a different land type that it's kind of associated with. And when it gets if it's hidden on these different land types, it can do other things. And one of the things I did find was really satisfying about it is when you do trick the humans and they go the wrong way. Oh boy. That's a great feeling. Yes. And that, that is really clever. So people who do don't know, you actually rarely put your beast standee on the board you put down little cards where, so you know where you started and you're track, you put down cards that say, you know, you want South, you want East, you want West, whatever it is. And the players are moving around trying to suss out where, where you are and trying to figure it out. And then if they think they have you, they play the cards that's, you know, a search and attack or something like that. Yeah. And if you're there, you get hurt. And the thing that, you know, it's a little hidden movement game, right. But the thing that actually I like the most about it and what I don't like about a lot of hidden movement games is fast. Yeah. I mean, it's, 90 minutes i bet i bet once you know what you're doing i bet you can play that game in an hour yeah and i guess and,
1: and in that hour you get the full sort of um it scratches that full hidden movement game itch that for many other games i think in terms like fear of dracula no one would say that's a short game it scratches that itch uh specter ops is a pretty quick game for what it is but this is maybe the quickest of all of them but i i you know, I got to be honest, I'd read other people saying this may be my favorite hidden movie game. And I thought, come on, man, that's a high bar. You know, I'm going to withhold judgment until I receive the final copy, but I could easily see this becoming my favorite hidden movie game. It is really good.
0: Yeah, the and I, I think the way that the different heroes you can play that they all they're not hugely different, but they're different enough that it feels different in the way you can choose. You can set traps out. And, you know, it's different every time uh, I compare it to mind management. Yeah, which um, I another actually I just played. Yeah, I just played that the other day. And what again? I think it makes that one work is it's fast. Like I don't have I don't have time in my brain to play a three hour hidden movement game.
1: Yeah, I do, but I could <laughs> because I love it so much. But I can see the draw from having it be much shorter. And if I can get another game play, you know, if, if I could play Beast and another game in that time, that's even yeah. better.
0: I mean, you could you could have a whole day, and you could say we're going to play all the beasts. And you could do that.
1: Oh, man, that would be crazy. You could do I'll that tell you another uh,
0: breakfast and lunch.
1: Another distinction. Maybe not that quick. I'll tell you another distinction. Well, if you play against
0: me, it is that quick
1: because I'm <laughs> real bad. I'm real bad. So in most hidden movement games, I want to play the one, right? The one that's being hunt, uh, hunted or you know, sort of the, the one that's tracking their movement in a hidden manner. And in this game, after that first game, I thought, I would not mind playing either side of this because the story that's playing out, the the, the teamwork and partnership amongst the, the settler players, that was very, you know, that's something I felt like I'd missed out on. They seem to be having a good time with that. But don't get me wrong. I was having an extremely good time with the beast, but I'd be happy to play either side of that. Yeah,
0: I think, this I said this about mind management also, even though you can play with your beast, and I think it's uh, four other players, I don't think I'd ever want to do that. -hmm. I think playing against four hunters, cool. But you know, if you have through each hunter's only got one hunter, there's a lot of kind of downtime, I I think Mm -hmm. in there. But like I said, that's 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 the same same thing about mind management. But I think you play mind management with two people, or you know, two two people as the uh, the people on the board, where they're each controlling two. I think that's that's great. You get all that kind of crunchy strategy and all in there but you're not not a ton of downtime so yeah i, I enjoyed it too i found it really hard for the the humans um, oh
1: really yeah
0: yeah and it might just be that you know it's not a type of game that hits my table very much so none of us are particularly good at it and there's a little little bit of floundering going on but you play a lot of them so your reaction makes it sound like yeah. perhaps it's not it's, it's yeah. not not as uh
1: hard that we were just bad yeah. It was very close. It was very close. And I would like to think I'm pretty good at the hidden movement games. And, uh, you know, I think the game drives it to be close, but not in an artificial way. And I know that sounds odd, but I think it really does speak to what a great design it is. I mean, we'll see once I get all the beasts played and, you know, plays all the settlers, eventually, months and months from now. But, man, fir- first impression, really, really positive for this game.
0: Yeah, it, it was fun. The only other <laughs> complaint I have about it is that, Boy, it takes a long time to set up. You got, yeah, I said a thousand times. So. Little animal meeples that you're putting out on that board,
1: yeah. And uh, I knew uh, I was playing the beast, so I was like, it's almost like I was getting my plate ready for Thanksgiving. Will, it's like I knew all these animals are going out there and I was going to eat most of them. it's great. great.
0: <laughs> that, that's probably the most Alabama thing you, you <laughs> have said in months. <laughs> all these animals are on my plate. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, my number two that I would talk about, I played a lot. It. This is a game that had it. My copy shown up in October or something. Probably would have made my Games of the Year list last year. It didn't get here. Get here in time. That's called Dice Command. And that is a two-player game. It's, I guess, in theory, it's World War II, but you don't really get that. It's you know just a war because each of your units are dice that you're putting out there. Which for me is great. I don't like playing historical games because I feel I feel kind of icky, like. I don't want to be Nazis. Like, what if I win? That's not good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it's a very fast game where you each, depending on what numbers on the die that you put out there, it's a different kind of unit. One through three is a light infantry, which means it can't hurt vehicles, but it moves twice as fast. Four through six is a heavy infantry. It moves slower, but it can hurt vehicles. And if you get them stacked up on top of each other, meaning you roll doubles, then it's a vehicle, which is much harder to, to kill and, you know, takes more damage or whatever. Then in the middle of the board, it's got two spaces. If you control these two spaces, you get some kind of special power. It might be it's a sniper tower where you can shoot people, or it might be a research lab. And every different game, each player is going to pick one of each of these. I think there's like 10 different options that you got to put out there. But you're trying to be the first one to get 60 of your units or four of your, four of your units behind enemy lines. And it's super, super simple because you're going to roll all your dice and you have four different actions you can take which are get more money, get more troops, deploy your troops or do some research. And if you do the research you're going to be upgrading those, you know, core abilities, getting, you know, new bonuses you can have, you're going to be spending your money to bring out troops because every time one of your dice gets killed, it's out of the game because you know, it's dead. You got to go, you know, recruit some other poor kid, you know, to come out That's and right. fight for you. But it's super fast. You you know combat's easy. You run your dice into each other. If I run my four into your six, you become a two, and I'm out of the game. And
1: mm, okay, that's it. You just oh, it. so there's no if there's no uh, randomness in the combat then.
0: Nope, it is ah, totally determined deterministic. You see what you have out there, and you're moving them about. And then there's a deck of cards that is a little river that kind of cycles through. So if you don't want to use your dice that you've rolled on the cards that you have. You know with your advancing or deploying or whatever those are special powers are always gonna change, so it might be you can put some a minefield out. it might be you uses oh, you're gonna use the flamethrower, which is gonna take two pips off of anything you know in the three squares in front of you or you know whatever it is and this game is great; it is one of the top i'm gonna say top two two player games that I have. I'm actually gonna talk about the wow. other one a little bit later. It is fantastic, and the whole thing, you know, this is great, great radio here, is like this big, and you know, we're we're talking half of a ticket to ride box, maybe, probably a third of that, and maybe I don't know, two inches thick. It is.
1: Really Just. small for what you get in the, in the box. Huh? on cool. Oh,
0: yeah. The box is, is, is heavy. It's oddly and are heavy. You, are
1: you using the box itself? I'm looking at some images on Board Game Geek, and it looks like maybe you use the bottom of the box to, for dice placement or something?
0: Yeah, so uh, the box, uh, inside the box where you put all the components, there are two little boxes that when you open up, they look like barracks on the inside. Mm-hmm. Those are dice trays. So you roll your dice in there. And then you just leave them in there, and anything in your little barracks is what you can use for that turn. And so it uses that. It's and it, it, there also is a some four player variants and three player variant, and it comes with the stuff for it. But I've I've never actually played it that way because you know, zombie apocalypse, right? Um, uh, boy, it's I don't I don't know if it's available here or not, or you can, but it's good. Yeah, there's no solo it for it, but boy, it is really good. And there's an amazing how to play by this dude I know.
1: Oh really? Oh man!
0: Yeah, me obviously. The (laughs) expert. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) well, it's funny because I, because I made the how to play for it back during the campaign, and promptly forgot all about it. And then I've got a copy, you know, after all the kickstarters that had delivered, and I was like, "How do I play this game? I don't know what I'm doing." But like, I took it to meet with a buddy of mine. We met for coffee, just you know random place and it's small enough compact enough that we were able to have coffee put it on the table in front of us and just play just it's fantastic
1: those are the best kind of two-player games that's cool
0: so anyway that's dice command i think it's great that's we kevin
1: and i we played that i don't know i think maybe four or five times over the past three weeks and while you were chatting about it tell me about it look the publisher there is ejected planet and sure enough it's available on their website so you said you didn't know if it was available it is but it may be purchased by the time you guys get there, if there's only one copy. Copy of it. Oh,
0: <laughs> boy! You know, i, <laughs> we, I bad hope, for me, Will. I, I hope that your phone starts blowing up. <laughs> as oh, it's not a Kickstarter, so it's so all your no. Your, your, people
1: won't see it, man. It's all under the, <laughs> under, the under the radar.
0: Because that 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 would be would be great. I know that they're you know, Chris and Tony are just sitting somewhere going, oh, I smell, I smell junkie Don.
1: So it's a it's a disturbance of the force they can just uh you, you know feel they it. sense it yeah. yeah
0: but i i t- you know anybody like go if
1: you like to play i mean it's really aggressive
0: i mean it's pure aggression looks like game it,
1: looks like the uh iconography and art is really good too look like it's really well laid out so i I'm, mean yeah. I'm and if this.
0: you have a 3d printer supposedly they have stl files where you can print little tank looking things that you can drop when you put out your vehicles you can drop yeah. the two dice in the top i mean it's just it's
1: a great game i, I can't well and i don't
0: think it's that expensive either
1: uh the what i'm looking at i don't know this is the kickstarter edition still the kickstarter edition they're they're selling on their website is $45 so even oh, that's, that's
0: a great yeah snap that up yeah the kickstarter comes with variable player powers
1: oh very cool just real quick real easy um yeah, as we're done recording here, I'll start spending money I don't have on things I don't need.
0: Oh, hey, that's the dream, right? Now, well, on that note, now you got a couple, two others on your list of stuff that you've been playing lately, but to potentially make me spend some money, tell me about your expansion that you've been playing lately.
1: Yeah, so uh, just a few days ago, actually, I played Lost Ruins of Arnak with the Expedition Leaders expansion. Um, and this is... A very cool expansion because it's it's more of the same. They, they it comes with a variety of things. I'm sure I'm gonna leave something out there. There are cards that you add to the item deck and the artifact deck. And for those who haven't played Lost Runes of Arnak, all both of you, uh, this is a this is a game and where that, you can... and I am
0: not one anymore because I just finally played it last night.
1: And I want to hear time. about your experience. Yeah. And we had so, such
0: a good time we we
1: played it twice in a row. Yes, and it's relatively quick, right? It's one of those games where it doesn't overstay its welcome it is like the perfect length to get your get the itch scratch for the the deck builder slash worker placement hybrid that it is right and there are very few games i think that do that well there was this and dune imperium that came out around the same time those two games are often compared to one another because they both have that deck building and worker placement uh and uh, uh,
0: endless winter which is on its way
1: oh yeah i'm looking forward to that too yeah, and that that so. was kickstarted that like also like the exact same At the time. same time. Yeah. Yep. So, the cool thing about this game is that neither one of those two aspects overwhelm the game. So, there's a deck building aspect where you can get items and artifacts, and the, the amount of items available to you and the amount of artifacts changes throughout the game as you, in an abstract manner, explore this island, right? The number of items that you can purchase goes down with gold, and the number of artifacts that you're finding or can find kind of goes up uh, uh, as the game moves forward. It's kind of cool how that's a, a game. Time tracker as well, and um, basically, what you do is almost like a deck where you play a card and do whatever that card says in your turn, or you can uh, place one of your workers somewhere to do something, one of your explorers. And usually, you have to play a card with that as well because the cards are dual use and they do something at the bottom. And they also have icons on the top left that tell you what type of travel they will allow on that bigger board. And when traveling, you can either go there and do that action, or there are some spaces that are unrevealed you can go to to explore new spaces. So, uh, that's the base game of arnak for the most part it goes through five rounds of that so it's not like you cycle through your deck 20 times um,
0: and i will say both times we played
1: we got finish last turn i was like but i want one more turn yeah that's always the case it's always the case now that does get uh, amplified a bit with the expansion i found because with expansion one of the options they have here is you ha- can have a different research track too in fact mm-hmm. so it comes with new cards that go in those items and artifact decks it comes with a new double-sided research board that you can use and it comes with i think i hope i don't get this number wrong i think it comes with six six leaders and those leaders change what you're good at and what you can do and they add a little bit of asymmetry amongst the players because in the base game there's no asymmetry right you're doing the same thing all the other characters doing you start with the same deck of cards everyone else starts with which are four um which are two um fear cards which are Semi useless, you don't like them, they clog up your deck a bit, so you want to get rid of that fear if you can, you know, thematically speaking as well. And you have four cards that give you money or compasses to help you explore that type of thing. So you have those four cards and two fear cards with the expansion. Each of those six leaders comes with their own starting deck of four cards that you augment by two fear cards. So you're starting from an asymmetric starting point, and further, if there are new actions you can do for each character, like for instance, I played the uh, I can't remember his name anyway, he uh. He gets a third archaeologist or explorer. So I had three workers that I could use. And further Oh, everybody so at the
0: table hated you. No,
1: I that's the easiest of all of them. Uh, the guy I was playing against, my buddy Shannon, he, he was the falconer. And so he had a falcon token that was moving up his board. And on any given turn, he could choose to let the falcon fly further or he could retrieve what the falcon was getting. And the rewards going up this track were stronger and stronger every time. And he had an action where he could play cards Uh, to make the falcon go up higher so he can sort of speed up how he's getting things back so each of those characters very asymmetric now we did find that if you use one of the advanced research boards they can be very hard to kind of go up i don't know what your experience was like last night but moving up that research track can be very powerful you get a lot of powerful stuff you get money compasses you get um, artifacts or you get uh, helpers that you can tap to give you certain things Uh, Sorry, exhaust. I don't want to get in any trouble. So uh, it's you can exhaust to get you certain things. Yeah. It was uh, much uh, harder to move uh, up on the track. Wizards of the Coast
0: is is at your door right now. That's right.
1: Is that what They're taking your family away. (laughs) Now, it was good because of the variety and the asymmetry, right? It added a nice jolt of energy to this game. But that research track was extremely hard to move up, both for me and my opponent. And we felt like we couldn't get the engine going like we felt like we did in the base game i know you posted some picture last night your final turn you played like 837 cards it was in a ama- well and what's interesting so i was
0: able to do that because of the research track and so also because i thought i had one more turn so i had saved up a bunch of compasses because i was going to mm-hmm. go out and do uh, find the the far far site you know the, the level two sites where you just right all kinds of stuff you get if you actually do that and then I was like oh this is the last turn oh well i don't want to do this. so i had all this stuff and so i started you know use burning it all and i'd gotten some artifacts that let me research cheaper and i had both of those in my hand so i started using those and then when you buy artifacts you get to use them right away and i kept using the artifacts to get more things that let me keep going up the track which was getting me more and more compasses and it turned into this beautiful moment where i was losing by we don't know exactly you know, do the math in the middle but i think i was losing by 20 points at that time going into the end of the last turn and after my, kevin had passed i won by one on that yeah, last nice. turn because i suddenly went halfway up the track with my magnifying glass to get to the top and i was able to buy one of those little tiles at the top and i got like six more artifacts
1: which was awesome Now, I don't know if that happens a lot. No, that's the beauty of Arnak. That does happen. Uh, And in fact, usually it will happen with multiple players, I've found. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's very much like Everdale in that regard. I also feel like Everdale, you start slow, and you feel like, how will I ever get this engine going? But very quickly, you get an engine, and near the end of the game, you're doing all the – know, got this massive final turn. Lost Ruins of Arnak is very much like that. And there's this nice crescendo that happens throughout the game. It it speeds up. It accelerates to this climactic ending. And so when you're done playing that game, you really feel like you ended on an extremely high note. And the expansion blunted that a little bit. But I think it's because we weren't playing at all optimally with our characters, right? We had to figure out the characters. Because I started with a card. One of my four starting cards? I could do something cool with it. But then I got another fear card. Which clogs your deck even more. So I think you have to. Well, don't be a coward. Don't be a coward. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Just walk out there. Yeah. So. Well, uh, you know, it's funny because the, the but last. But getting one rid of those was, cards was
0: hard. Well, and it's funny. I actually played that game where I just, I was taking fear cards because I was able to get the assistant to let me kill a fear card Right. every turn. So I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll just keep doing it. But we found the same thing the first game. Like we couldn't get up that research track. Like our first game was. Oh, Animal. really? It was like oh, third- okay. 36 to 34 you know it was terrible and then we played again and we both got to the top because we you know just that adjustment of the game and i wonder first off the asymmetric abilities that has me i'm i will i will probably be i'm hoping we, it's out of we stock we played
1: with the easiest two so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it's out of stock so I, don't, spe- so I don't
0: buy this I as soon as i'm done but <laughs> yeah that's because uh, what i tell you we had a really good time with it yeah like, it's a really it's a fantastic fun. game. Yep, and you know, and it is not like Dune Imperium, like other than it has worker placement and deck building. It's just, it's a very different game. I, I agree you know, with you. Though. The research track versus the area control thing going on.
1: Yep, I and agree. I think, Those are just the base mechanics you're using, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it, uh, it, I, definitely room for both on the shelf. I think.
0: Yeah, just a really, really uh, enjoyed it. But both of us and uh, Kevin went back, and he's already seeing seeing if he can find find a copy of it which you can you can get the base copy now, pretty easy but Mm -hmm. poor guy went back and he's like i gotta figure out which one of these i'm actually i'm actually gonna buy because i can't buy them all you know Mm. which you know don you don't have to buy them all
1: i know but i don't think you can't go wrong if you do though will
0: (laughs) well it's like yeah we we, we, so when are you buying a house for your games
1: I don't know, man. One one could argue they've already they're already the main tenant of the house. My wife would argue that anyway.
0: All right, so 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 you know we got to play it. I man for the now one person that has not played this one. If if you like Mm, so good, if you like worker placement, it really is good. And every time I only played twice, but really disappointed every time it was over. And if we didn't have someone else coming over who had heard that. Kevin had never played Mansions of Madness. Like we're playing before you get on the plane tomorrow morning, we probably would have played again. Yeah, like that's that's how 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 much of a fun that it, it was. And I'm, yep, I'm buying that expansion. Great, game. dang it, you did that to me. All right, so my next one is ah my last one that I've been playing recently is a Kickstarter that I delivered earlier this year. I guess it's called Shiver Me Timbers. And if you ever played the Sid Meier Pirates computer game, did you yeah. ever play
1: that? I did not, but I know Jamie did. You know one well, of the hosts. Well, you
0: podcast. need to get a copy of this for him as a ah. get-well gift because it is Sid Meier's Pirates.
1: Oh, I believe he has told me about it. I believe he he's gotten this and and played it because he's a huge naval fan. So Pirates, I think he told me about this. It's it's mostly pick up and deliver, but
0: you 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 can fight each other and everything. And it has these cool. It's got a great toy factor. Like as yeah. you improve your ship, you got these big old huge plastic ships, and if you get a bigger hold, you actually pull the ship apart and add in a little thing to make it bigger. It's got little dials for what you got in there, and you're putting cannons on and sails on and stuff. And it's got a very cool modular board that it's pretty big, big old modular board. And you're sailing around from port to port. You're doing stuff. You're getting rituals and summoning the kraken, and then going to fight the kraken. You're uh, doing you know piratey stuff. But like in the video game, when you invade a ship or when you try to take a ship, you can shoot a little bit, soften it up. That's fine. But the fight to take it comes down to a duel between your captain and their captain. And it's in the video game, if, if memory serves, it's basically, you know, they're doing high attack and you're trying to you know click the high block in time and, you know, blow it, whatever. But the game is they've taken that. And when you invade, you have a single mini which is two sword fighting pirates in the middle of the board. And you get some cards and they get some cards. And it's literally, I play a high attack. If you got a card on that says high block, you blocked it. And it tells you how much damage. And so it's real fast. And you go until you knock the other one overboard, which is just like the video game. You can go do treasure hunts. And it's it's really fun. It's just pure fun. And I know, I don't know if I'm going to say this, but I want to say it that they are working on an expansion for it cool. and the expansion will have a co-op solo mode that you can do which is very exciting and my thing that i told them i haven't made my video yet was that, gosh i just wish there was more of everything like mm. more treasures you can go find more monsters you could go take you can only do the kraken or the sea serpent that's all you can fight you know more more everything and apparently that that that's what what they're doing and boy it is I don't have any pickup and deliver games that I've had that I've kept for various reasons. Mm-hmm. This one, I think is, it, it might be the one that sticks around for me. It's, mm. it's, it, it's great. So as soon as Jamie's feeling well enough, you get over there, you, you play that with him Cause it's, it is. Yeah. That's on the list. He,
1: he talked, he talked about it. Like he really enjoyed it. So but he really enjoyed the ships and how you stored things on the ships, right? These little slots. Oh, it's remember, so unnecessary. I remember talking about that. Yeah. He said that too. I believe. <laughs> but, but it cool. is
0: it is so much fun. Like you're sitting there and you're pulling the thing apart, you're putting it together and you're getting frustrated when suddenly, so you know, the uh, someone comes and pirates you and they mess up your ship. So you're like, Oh man, you got to pull it back apart and pull off your, you've lost your rum or whatever. And yeah, it's just, it's really clever. I thought it was really going to be the toy factor, which is why people went for it. Right. Um, and then the, you know, the reference to Sid Meier's Pirates. That that was a fun game, but it really delivers on that. And I think what's going to make it last is if this new expansion can start going outside of the experience mm-hmm. of Sid Meier's Pirates.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so yeah. So that- it
1: definitely looks very clean from the pictures. And by that, I mean, it's almost like, um, I think about Emerson Matsuichi's Reef, right? It's visually striking on the, on the table, but it doesn't look overly complicated, right? Twilight Imperium uh, fourth edition, eighteenth edition, wherever we're at now, that looks striking, but it looks very complicated. This doesn't, right? It looks nice and clean on the table.
0: Yeah. So, for, so this is how, for me, this is what really meant illustrating my collection because we we played the once, and then I stopped. Said, "Hold on." I took the mini, I took it outside, I sprayed it <laughs> and painted it that night. I was like, "Okay, hold on, we can't play again until this is done." <laughs> you know, this man is visiting; like he's leaving, so I got like I stayed up late. You got to step up. Yeah, not, you know, bad. not bad. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, that, that 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 that's a good one. So there's not a lot of copies left out there, people, but there is a new Kickstarter coming. I I wanna say it's gonna be in late spring, but I'm not you know, don't don't quote me. Well never quote me. You know, don't know <laughs> All right, but so what is your last one? This last one's gonna make me jealous. I'm hoping you're yeah, gonna talk me out of it. I
1: saved this one for last on purpose. So this is the hotness right now. This is a game called Corrosion uh, by Deep Print Games. Let's see. That's also Pegasus Field. Uh, Capstone, 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 Capstone in the U.S., right? Capstone games. And um, Capstone has been sort of on a tear lately, right? This is another in a long line of, of great games. This one is an engine-building game. I only have one criticism I'll get back to in a minute. But there are oh, a lot Oh, good. Of- but make
0: sure you, you <laughs> highlight that so you don't buy big. it. <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: it's a small criticism, unfortunately. i to be honest. Uh, there's a lot to like about this game. You are managing a factory, and on your turn, you have a handful of engineer cards, and you have a uh, also a a board that has uh, quadrants labeled one, two, three, four. And I, I got to be careful. The quadrants are not labeled. A disc, a wheel in the in the middle of that board is labeled one, two, three, four, and it rotates so that uh, the one. Let's see how this goes. So you rotate it clockwise, so. What was in the three sector becomes in the two sector. What was in the two is in the one, right? So, so you're stepping things down. It's a way of almost like Zolkin. If people played Zolkin of time moving forward a little bit.
0: Oh, so 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 there's stuff like a around the disc that's yes, and so it was in the one. Then you turn that. Okay, I, I got you. Yep. I'm, I'm so you don't.
1: Out. So it's like Zolkin in that you know Zolkin have often thought they could have. Uh, They could have tracked things by simply having things on a track and you move everything up a space on the track. But you turn the wheel in Zolkin, and, and, you know, the wheel turns to a new space. So uh, that's the way it's similar with this game. You turn that inner wheel and sort of everything that had been uh, assigned the number three before is now assigned the number two. And basically, when things time out like that, then they come back to you. Right. Uh, I hope I'm not getting that backwards. In any case, you get the idea, right?
0: So there's a whole bunch of corrosion nerds out there that are just <laughs> like, just well, there's there's three like, that are watching.
1: That's it, redneck screwing it all up. <laughs> so on your turn, you have a choice. You can either play an engineer and an engineer, you have, uh, uh, some engineer cards you have in your hand and, and they either, you know, they'll get you resources, uh, which, or, or they will get you let you buy what they're called machines that you put on different spots of the, uh, of the the corrosion wheel here you can either play an engineer and do whatever it says your opponents can follow that if they play an engineer of the same suit or color that that's higher so there's this follow mechanism that's happening throughout the game as well Uh, or you can turn the wheel when you turn the wheel all kind of things go off these machines you bought might you know they might get you more resources uh it might get you victory points uh you know all some of these machines go off these one-time machines go off if they hit that last uh Section, this X hits them, right? The, the last section. um And then any engineers that sort of have aged all the way down, you get to pull back into your hand. So there's this nice balance of playing an engineer, putting it in some, and, and the stronger the engineer is, the longer it's going to take to age back and get into your hand. So there's this nice balance between playing an engineer to get something and turning the wheel to sort of run your machine. uh But the way this uh, works is, is everyone
0: it, sharing the, the same wheel that's turning? Nope. Or you Everybody's
1: own. got their own wheel. So they have their own engine they're running. Uh, The difference between this engine building game and other engine building games is that this engine is continually tearing down over time because it is, wait for it, corroding, right? So, yeah, exactly. So any resources you've gathered that you don't use by the time it wheel goes around, you lose those. Um, Any machines you haven't been able to build, because you basically got the blueprints throughout, you know, by playing engineers and stuff, you have to build them. When you build them or activate them, If you haven't built them by the time they age around, they just go away. Don't get you any benefit. So there's this constant, uh, and and every time the wheel has been turned four times, you get some resources and a point. And so so there's this this push to sort of get that wheel moving quickly, but still play your engineers and build things. It's this nice bouncing act across the across the all the way across the spectrum. Um, Very abstract. So it's not like you have meeples or anything like that. You got a handful of cards. You got that corrosion wheel over here, and you're placing little, uh, you know, tokens in each of the four quadrants. You're taking those tokens away as they age off, or or sometimes you can move them around by spending steam, um, which is one of the resources in the game. Really abstract in that regard. If I have a criticism, it's that this game overstays its welcome by a significant amount of time, because it's not like so. Most of these engine building games, you build an engine and you juice that engine to end uh, in, in the game, right? Drive the game to completion. But since the engine is constantly breaking down, you can only juice it so many times before you got to turn that wheel and get engineers back. And so there's this constant sort of struggle between building, running, building and running. And it just, it never accelerates to the point some of those other games do. Having said that, it is still what I think is a very good game. Um That's not a killer. That's a small criticism.
0: Uh, now I've heard uh, one of uh actually a guy who was on the show a couple episodes ago um, from level up board game podcast. He had said it, it was a, perhaps a deceptively heavy game. Like there's, there's a oh, yeah. lot to learn and pick up. Is that, was that your experience?
1: Yep. And, and to the point where one of the, one of my, Pet peeves is analysis paralysis, right? People take a long time on their turn.
0: Now, I want to—I want to share this with you. So, my wife would never have analysis paralysis. She carefully considers her options. So, you know, I—we—we frame it—we frame it like that here, and it's very, very, very careful consideration. Let me tell you.
1: I understand the metagame of self-preservation wheel. I know how this goes.
0: (laughs) I'm carefully considering my options through your words here. Now that's cool.
1: She carefully considers her options. Chris Miller. Gets paralyzed when he's trying to do some analysis. It turns out, Chris Man, poor, Miller's one of the other hosts. Poor, the
0: poor Chris gets slagged off even on other other, other people's well, podcasts. That's great.
1: I only say that because he's not here to defend himself. You know, <laughs> no, he's a good guy. I'm just giving him a hard time. Through. Chris it's a are welcome to come
0: on and slag Don off all you want. <laughs>
1: That's right. So, uh, uh, yeah, analysis paralysis could be an issue if you don't have the right group. Uh, it was just a two player game we were playing, and I want to say it took us two hours Woo. it was a learning game two hours for a two-player game i'm betting if you play three players you're talking two and a half
0: yeah well i mean players, you compare that to three. like we were talking about uh, arnak like we, we had our learning game and we were two if we were still done in yeah. An hour. yeah i mean that's you know i mean apples and oranges here right but still like you know if you're if you're going to sit down for you know a heavier and arnak's not heavy i guess that's part of it, but you know like you better like it you know if you're going to be two two and a half hours i think mm-hmm. um and uh, how is the uh, in- interaction? Now, I- I'm not a person who always needs oh, good yeah. in- interaction in, in my-, my Euro games. I actually, I-, I love a good multiplayer solitaire where it's like, I'm going to outdo you, Don. My plan is better than you. Like, I'm all about yeah. that. But I know some people, you know, get a pet peeve about that.
1: Yeah, the interaction comes from the follow mechanism, by and large. And there are so many cards in your hand, at, you know, as you get throughout the game that, at least I didn't see. I didn't. I don't foresee in future games us getting to a point where it's like, okay, I know how your your hand is laid out, and I know how my hand's laid out, and I'm gonna uh, uh, save these cards so I can follow. It's like we were just. You, it's mostly multiplayer solitaire. There are some. There's a race for some of the machines and additional engineers that are available in the pool as well as what's called chrome machines. I didn't talk about their sort of permanent machines. It's kind of like
0: your high school experience. You know, you were in the pool and everyone was racing.
1: It's a race for certain things. So good things pop up. It's like, well, I hope they don't get that or, but you can look and see. okay, they're engineered that would get them that they don't have it in their hand. They've played it and they haven't gotten it back yet. So I've got around, you know, sort of wait on this. So um, yeah, that's, that's interaction is via that follow mechanism and, and the race that's sort of taking place. Now, I want to caveat what I said about the game being overstaying its welcome a little bit. That's because you have to exhaust a pool of a certain type of special victory points. Nothing says you can't house rule this and lower the number of victory points that gets you to the end game. And I don't think anything breaks if you do that. So this is this small criticism can be easily addressed by simply, you know, taking some victory points out of that pool and 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 shortening the game that way.
0: That's good. That'll be our next question. Because sometimes you you just you can't do that. You know, you, you deplete a deck or something. Like, the cards in that deck are necessary. But if it's just points, just, you know, we'll pull some out. I, you know, I think I wish more games would do that that have that kind of in-game trigger. Like, just put, literally put it in there. You want a short game? Put 12 in there. Because not because most of us aren't smart enough to figure that out, but because there's so many purists out there like, well, I don't want a house rule.
2: Yeah. i not
1: going to
0: house yeah. rule my game. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Now, in this one, I mean, it's, it's ripe for that kind of thing. Uh, the game, I think, that, kinda, that I can remember starting that was Race for the Galaxy, right? You have, if I recall, 12 victory points per player that you can pull out of this special pool, and that drives toward the end game. Um, <clears throat> so this, is, this game implements that type of mechanism. And, uh, and like I said, just take a few points away, unless you're a purist, as you said. It'll play very smooth.
0: Yeah, so, I, so this is going, going into my, I'm, I'm going to keep an eye out for a deal yeah because you know I, i'm uh i've been trying to keep my well dungeon crawls and euro games down to them, So okay well one if my wife likes it it's staying period done but beyond that which are the ones that if i'm like okay i can play anyone i want on one hand you know five of them that i'm like yeah, oh yeah i'd grab that i'd try to keep keep it down to that but those are full price games to me so it sounds like I should look at it because I do like the sound of that little yeah, cranking it's engine. Nice. And the- I'm
1: glad I own it. It will not hit the table as often as some other engine building games. If it reminds me of anything, if people played London by by Martin Wallace, because that engine you build up and break it down continuing throughout the game, it's got that, that vibe to it.
0: All right. So our last thing here, well, before we get into to the real talk, is... What do you got on your table right now? We both have we got two things set up as being on the on, on the table. And so my first one, I can go real quick on this. And this is coming to Kickstarter, I believe it's March 5th or the 4th, something like that. And that is Mall Peak, which is the follow-up to Skull Kollow. And this is one that you and I, we actually played at your uh, oh, yeah. uh, your your brewery on the table. And this is my Skull Collow is my other favorite two-player game i just love this completely asymmetric even beyond one person playing the tiny little foxes that gets, gets smashed left and right the other person playing one of four different huge old guardians kind of shadow of the colossus style and the fox has got to climb the monster to kill it monster has all kinds of different powers well Mall peak is almost just more of the same which for me would be fine because i really like not a bad
1: game. thing yeah
0: but now i've only played three times so far. I'm still working on my, my content and stuff. But it's really different because the bears, the big thing with them is they're way stronger than the foxes are. They don't die nearly as easily. They can do a lot more damage. But once they're dead, they're dead. They don't come back. With in Skull Collar, you just keep throwing those foxes out, you know, over and over and over again but you got to be way more careful with the bears. The bears are also slower and you can summon them for free because in school college, you got to play one of your actions to do it. Well, you build up this rage pool, you know, bears get angry, right?
2: Yeah.
0: And as you build up this rage pool, you start using the rage to summon these, these bears out and all the bears have these crazy different magic powers that they can do. And then on the flip side, the Guardian side is similar to playing the Guardian side in Skull It's the same idea. If you can play the Guardians in Skokalo, you can play the Guardians here. And what I was worried about is, were any of these four new Guardians going to feel like playing the old ones? Because, you know, how many different mechanics can you come up with with the same, you know, relatively simple game? And let me tell you, they all the three I've played so far are completely different. They have... One of them has a mechanic where it's trying to just confuse the bears, and you have a little confusion deck, and you have stuff that you know clogs up their deck and their hand. But if you can just get rid of all those cards, make them be super confused, you win. But yeah. that's you know, which you know we've all been there, right? Yeah. So really, really clever. And the only one I haven't played is on my table right now, and I know it plays different. And if you're just listening, you're not going to see anything here. But this is the one guardian which is two big old meeples. It's got the... Oh, that's one guardian. Yeah, this is one. It's got a uh, this three-headed uh. dog and a big old monster guy that kind of runs around and on the board. Each one of them has their own different damage things they can do. It has all the you know the six actions, but the little dog here can do three of the actions and the guy with the stick here can do the other thing. Like It's just... It's really, really good. It's got the one thing I haven't gotten to try yet. And that is you can combine them. You can do all the mix and matching you want. But you can also play with both the foxes and the bears teamed up against two guardians out there. And, of course, that means you got on one map. You remember the map. It's a tiny little yeah. thing. So you have all these foxes and bears all over the place. And if you're playing with this guy here with the two, so you got three guardians stomping all over the place. I, I really, really like it. I think I thought when I read the rules that my review was going to be, well, pick one or the other skull column all peak you're fine um no if you like skull this is a must own just period i think and it's it's great so
1: that is my commercial i guess
0: from all peak you know
1: and, and you know for those who can't see those the the wooden meeple type things he held up meeple is not really the the word for it they're big and very detailed very much like the skull hollow game i'm looking forward to this i do enjoy skull hollow quite a bit and if there was a criticism of that game is that you only had the fox and clan and now if you got this bear clan you can play as and this mixing and matching there's so many more different ways you can approach a game and it, I, I agree with you it's unbelievable they can have four new uh, guardians that play very differently from the ones in the base box That's yeah impressive. and
0: the like in the you know because the, the easy thing they did with the the bears was mechanics are slightly different and the they die, they go away, so they're you know they're lots they're stronger. But, so that that's you know, I, I'm saying easy. Put that in quotes, right? You know, right. but an easy thing. But the guardians are. If you can play a collar guardian, you can play a multi guardian. You know, if you already cool. know how to play the foxes, you don't necessarily know how to play the bears. Um, really, really, really cool. So I'm I'm really high on it, you know. So so far, So that's 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 my my first one. Yeah, you, you got some biggies on your table. So
1: yeah, and and. Unfortunately, they're not laid out to play. They are laid out to uh, pack away and read the rules. Uh, and I just these are two Kickstarters I just received. And the first one is the second half of my original Solomon Cain um, pledge. I received Solomon Kane. I don't know, like a year ago, played that solo. And man, it is just such a fabulous game. These are, uh, you know, six or seven additional episodes and the Solomon Cain, uh you know, um, stories that, you know, I, and they're all so good. They're all so very thematic. So I'm excited to get those open. But at the same time, I look at this huge stack of boxes and it's like, man, ah, I've been so yeah, I busy believe, at work. I it's on on like a, I don't a, have enough time. on t- <laughs> the shelf behind you, right? That's the big boxes on the shelf. So yep. those two big boxes are the base pledge that sort of delivered, right? The wave one of the pledge that delivered about a year ago. And now I've got, and that's got, I don't know, that's probably got. I think it's 10. Uh, is it 10 it's a lot so, yeah and i got another six or seven more upstairs now each of them are great and it, it's a very good game it, it's kind of interesting because solomon kane you you don't control solomon kane directly he's the puritan warrior right um so you don't control him directly you control uh, let's uh, sure the, the
0: four right. virtues
1: the virtues yeah. or, you. Or, yes. or the one there's that option to play with just the one exactly yeah. so if it's multiple players that are playing it's co-op you play uh the virtues that are sort of changing the landscape, uh stopping the the so so it's almost like the Solomon Cain is is doing things in the story and bad guys are doing things in the story. You have NPCs that are there. But then above that there are the virtues and sort of the bad spirits. And the virtues are getting in the way of the bad spirits and trying to stop them from influencing the fight. So it's almost like a really cool aspect, I wasn't sure if I was going to like or not, it, you're not controlling the actual board so much as you're controlling what's happening above the board. And that's just a very cool thing uh, very few, if any, games have done before. Uh, this was a really refreshing game. So overproduced it's ridiculous. But you get value for it, right? There are so um, many minis. <laughs> yeah, it and, is. And, yeah.
0: and And minis that are even more unnecessary than normal. Like, there's like minis for a body
1: <laughs> yes that's right it's so great though it's just you know it's i've been watching this uh, this youtube series of guy that he looks at he looks at these mega cars these supercars and i was surprised i didn't even know there are cars out there that cost over to 10 million dollars and everything on this car is made to precision you know single like there may only be 25 of these cars in the world you know and these mega cars were so much attention to detail
0: your wife Thawna saw you on YouTube she said, <laughs> yeah. your wife saw you on that YouTube and buy more board games, please. <laughs> that's
1: right. That's a, I, I should have it playing in the background. So I said, see, yeah, I'm not so bad. So this is the the mega game or super game amongst games in that regard. Very well done. And not it's not, um, I think there's a rash of games out there now that are, they pile, you know, they, they've got an okay game and they pile this big mound of minis on it. And it's like, oh, that's what suggests there's value there. If this game did not have the minis, it would still be a great, great game. Yep. Um So it's got it's got everything, man. The more I think about it, the more I talk about it, uh, the more I want to play. it. It's just so well done. So I'm, yeah. So it, that's that's the thing I'm I'm looking forward to getting into. Yeah. It's on you know, it, right
0: it's now. it's one of those games it's got a really cool dice placement uh, mechanic with it. It's one of the ones that's I put this up there with a Kingdom Death Monster in the sense that I would absolutely buy this game with just tokens and no minis. Right. Like it's without question, like it, it is not the, the. I mean, the minis are really good. I think overall, yeah. you know, I'm not a great mini painter like uh, some of your buddies are, but they're really nice minis, but I would absolutely play. Like it's very, very, very clever, very unique. Um, And I think, and I assume you also got all the uh, eroded cards. I know there's a whole bunch of.
1: Yeah. I, I, those are, prints. those are also what came in the second wave is, is, an addendum to the rule book that has it's a fac and errata, and also the cards uh that are going to replace some of the cards in the you know the first wave. So man, they went all out. It's really nice.
0: Okay. All right. So my, my last one I got on the quasi on the table, and actually, I because I was go, going up to see other Don tomorrow. We're gonna we're gonna play this. Now, this is a game that I think you you, know, you gotta watch out for. We're we're gonna see. Because I think all it's right. either going to be Brilliant or aggressively mediocre because it's going to be fiddly. Mm. Like that's where it is. And this is called Solar 175. Why 175? I don't know. But it is a legacy style Euro game. And and I don't think it's a destroy stuff legacy style. I think it's a you build you, I think you play a series of you know, five or eight games, and each one builds. But it's a bag builder. And you're drawing your workers out of the bag and putting them on your player board. And you have to have the right combination of workers. Like you might have an engineer and a, and a lobbyist and a board game podcaster. I don't know what the third one is offhand. And you have to go on specific spots. And when you get the right workers in the right spots, you activate these you know, different you know, worker, worker placement, right? D- different things. You get different resources. You can send your big old ship flying around this huge universe that it has. That you make with tiles and it expands over the course of the game and all that, you know, fine and interesting. But what really has me intrigued is one of the actions you can take is with your lobbyists and you can vote. And you literally have to make a ballot box in this game. There is a ballot really- box you have to build. And there's all these tiny little dry erase ballots. And you can sacrifice these lobbyists, which I kind of like. You're, you literally, you're sacrificing them for a vote. But hey, yeah, you know, we don't need lobbyists, right? And you have to vote for whichever one of the three corporations you want to win the election at the end of the game. And that will carry over to the next game, whoever is won. And that changes the end game scoring based on who wins as you're playing the whole game with these secret ballots when you're playing. And so if the, you know, Don Corps wins, then the military presence is going to score double, right? So there's three ways you're scoring and you're going to double one of those at the end of the game based on who wins this. And I don't know how that's going to go. It might be ridiculously fiddly or amazing. I have no idea. So I'm real excited about it. It's a lot I sent to everybody who's playing tomorrow. I sent their how to play video. I said, you watch this. I'm throwing you out if you have not watched this video. Cause I do not have 45 minutes to explain this thing, I tell but you what, it might it looks be pretty good. It, it might be amazing. Like I, I just, yeah. I don't know, or it might just be so much like in everybody that I shared this video with and watched it, we're talking about it. All of us have said the same thing. So
1: yeah, it's going to be a fine line that they walk here because looking at it, everything you said just intrigues me so much. I look at the picture of, I guess this is the full board. It looks, uh, like the board is built out and what I'm looking at, a um, lot of squares. Yeah, there's these square tiles
0: and, and you build, there's like builds like sectors. And as you go through more and more games, it gets bigger and bigger. That's and cool. then each one of those has two sides. And at some point you flip it to the other side as you know, this legacy thing that goes on. I guess you put stickers on those so, so you know what side it is. But yeah, so, so that's always going to change. I guess it always comes out in a different order. And it just... There are so many things going on. Like th- this is going to be one of the heaviest games I've played in a, in a long time. I think. But if they stick the landing on it,
1: I was going to say it's very, I would say innovative and aggressive. But yeah, if you, as you put it, if they stick the landing, it could be something special. It looks really good.
0: The, um, I think what really got me first, I was like, "Are you kidding me? I got to build a ballot box." <laughs> but like to me, that is so much fun of all the different games you can play with that of okay i'm going to try to actually make sure that you know this this corporation wins the election because i need those points right but you could the mind games you can play because i might know that you want you know the military bonus or whatever at the end so i might just toss in a couple of votes that are literally for the military so you panic and you start throwing your stuff in i just right I, i'd super clever so i'm I'm nervous, but really excited about it. We'll, we'll see what happens.
1: Nervous in a good way. Let me know when the Kickstarter starts. I'll, I'll definitely check this one out. Yeah, so it, it, it's,
0: it's coming. I can't remember exactly. What. I think I have a l- little bit of time. Um, and you got, this, you have one, oh, you yeah. got one that I'm going to be, it just arrived at my buddy Matt's house, I think on Monday. It just yeah. showed up, this one you're about to talk about.
1: Yeah, this is Nemesis Lockdown. And this is a follow-on to Nemesis, and I don't know when Nemesis came out. It's it's been a few years ago. One of my mm-hmm. favorite games. I mean, Nemesis really is, and everybody says this kind of openly now, right? It's like Aliens, the board game. Uh, you know, uh, we've we, th- and I say this knowing there are actually Aliens board games out there, but uh, the one that sort of Captures that experience in the Aliens universe the best is one that doesn't have that IP, and that's this, right? Nemesis Lockdown. In, Nemesis, in the original Nemesis, you're on a space station, and that space station is going to jump somewhere. And everyone plays a character that's sort of being woken up from cryosleep, only to find that this ship is infested with aliens, and there's potentially some alien, an alien queen out there, and their eggs all over the place again just like the aliens movie and each of the characters has a hidden role that they're playing or hidden motivation, I should say. So it could be one of those things where my motivation might be to escape with my best friend and my best friend may be assigned to me to be player number two. So player number two, I got to get them out of there. So I really want to help them or my hidden motivation may be, I hate player number two and I want to kill player number two. So when I tell player number two, Hey, I think we should go down this pathway together and go explore, uh, This person doesn't know if I'm doing that to get them alone so I can kill them or because I want to protect them. Right. So, and
0: and the fun thing is, at the same time, you might be trying to save player two, they might be trying to kill you.
1: (laughs) But it leads to great thematic moments where. You know, it could be one of these things where it's like, okay, here's a plan. I'm going to go through this door, and then you can come on your turn, and it'll be just in time to escape this alien that we know is hunting you back here. And then on your turn, you say, Come okay, I'm going to go through this door, and now I'm going to lock the door behind me. <laughs> so suddenly it's like, oh no, this is not cool. But, but there's no animosity in the game. I found right because such a cool story is playing out. Now, lockdown on the other hand is on a, it is on a a, a secret base on Mars, I believe. And that secret base on Mars, this reminds me a little bit of like there's, there's a the thing aspect they're applying to it because the, the, the levels themselves of, of which there are three are dark, I believe. And you can turn lights on. Now, I'm talking about mechanics. I haven't read the rule book yet, but I, these are things I've heard and read in different places. So you can turn lights on, which changes how you interact with the environment and how the aliens interact with the environment. Right. You may have more advantages with the lights on. They may have more disadvantages with the lights on. Uh, or I'm guessing vice versa. I just don't know. And that's why I'm ready to dig into this because I I really enjoyed Nemesis. My understanding is that this version of the game, this Nemesis lockdown, is uh it's it's a ninety five percent match, rule wise, mechanism wise with that, that base nemesis game. But it's a different setting, some different characters, uh different events that can happen. And so I'm really excited to try this because I love the base game so much that more of the same in a different setting with different characters is exactly what I, you know, if, if I could have made a wish list, that's what I would want. And that's what, uh, I'm guessing Awakened realms has given me. Uh, I hope to find out with the next few days. Yeah. The,
0: there's uh, a couple of friends of mine that they, they, they swear by that as a solo game, the original nemesis as well. It just really?
1: Says, I don't think I've ever played it solo. Yeah. They anything.
0: just swear by See, Now I'm not huge into, uh, Aliens. So I was like, eh, whatever. I'm much more interested by but by, by lockdown. So we we shall see. And luckily I didn't have to buy it because my buddy did. So
1: yeah. That's the real good. way. I bought my own. You know how it goes. But I'm sure, you know, we liked the original Nemesis so much that I'm sure many, uh, many of my friends have purchased their own copy as well.
0: Yeah, so that that's the question is how, how many of your 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 friends right nearby also <laughs> purchased it? And who well, who gets to use their version so they get to say that they played it?
1: That's right. Now, I don't know. I think we're just, we're happy to play anybody's version of this. It is funny, though, when I back a Kickstarter, so we often talk about Dr. James on the podcast or Lon or, uh, you know, we all follow each other. So it's funny whenever somebody, whenever something like this comes out, you'll see Don, you know, when I, when I back it, suddenly Dr. James Hampton has backed and then Lon has black backed and we all sort of get online and call each other junkies. It's great. And, you know, it's uh you know, you you can smell your own, right? That's right. It's not uh, untrue.
0: All right, so that was a, a really glad we went through all the stuff, but that was a longer what we've been playing lately yeah. than we used to do, which is totally okay. Now, our topic for today was what are your least favorite mechanics in games? Now, I only actually had had two of them. Now, Don's been having some some hard times the games, lately because as I look here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 13. Different Mickey. Mecha- which w- maybe we should do what mechanics is Don actually like. It's surprising
1: I don't hate games, given the <laughs> list that I came up with here.
0: So uh, uh, I- I'll just to jump in with um, my two real quick <laughs> and to see which things. So the first one is actually, I'm going to, relates to Nemesis, and that is betrayal in games if it's not a game that's specifically about betrayal. And what I mean by that, I love me some Battlestar Galactica. We just played the other day. I will play that game, and I will know that somebody is a monster around this table. Maybe it's me. no problem with it. But when I'm playing a game like a like a 4X game or something, and you and I are working together, and then you come blow me up. I get so butt hurt. Like really? we had a thing. We had an accord. <laughs> And you broke it. It's why I won't play Diplomacy. It's why I won't play. Oh, Diplomacy,
1: man. I get you there. I get you. You got to play Diplomacy with people that you will love no matter what they do. Or
0: or you already don't like. you will
1: never see again. (laughs) Because there's no middle ground in that game.
0: You know, but it's that kind of thing. I just, I can't get over the butthurt. I get so mad and I get so paranoid the whole game. And I just, I, I can't, I can't handle it. (laughs)
1: I can't (laughs) oh man i haven't played too many games like that maybe i don't like them either i'm just not sure uh yeah i I, the thing that gets me is there there are some betrayal games in general these hidden role games that feel personal for some reason uh diplomacy i I won't say that's a you know it's it's not a betrayal type game but there's definitely because you're always betraying in a sense right my my father-in-law used to say diplomacy is the art of saying nice doggy." until you get a big rock and it's th- this is not unlike that right it's a, yeah. you want to take advantage yeah of that, that's weak. the
0: exact uh, uh thing that i'm talking about like it's that it's not the it's not betrayal house on the hill betrayal it's right it's that like but but
1: but you love the italians it's the betrayal at the moment of greatest vulnerability that's yes. the thing that's what makes it personal right it's like oh no i i showed my belly and you cut it it's like oh i just feel so much more personal than, than when uh you know when I when I show a nemesis that my jo- you know I just didn't like you and and you know maybe you had an affair with my wife and I want to kill you or whatever you know the, the yeah well well is. the it's game like, made you do it yes yes the game made you I didn't choose to wait on you to be vulnerable at that moment the game kind of forced me into that situation
0: yeah. Dude, this is really your fault that I did this to you <laughs> that's
1: right that's but good, it's when though. you can't make that argument Depl- you can't make that argument yeah <laughs> no you did that because You're a monster. That was was when you were most vulnerable. Yep. And uh, yeah, there's something about that. There are a few other games. I remember for some reason, Shadows Over Camelot struck me like that, which is just, I had won that as the trader occasionally way back in the day. And it always, always just felt so bad. It just just felt so bad. But then you play games like um, Avalon, right? Um, And, or, 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 one, one night ultimate werewolf or something like that. And there's no, it doesn't feel personal, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I don't know what the, what the distinction is there. Uh, Secret Hitler is another one where it just doesn't feel personal. It Feels like you're gaming the game a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what the delineator is between those two, but I do know that if, if a game's on the wrong side of it, man, it can feel yeah. so and, horrible.
0: And, and, and I don't know exactly where to. I was talking with my uh, buddy Matt about it, who loves the Forex games. Like he, uh, we were just playing Ankh recently, mm-hmm. which. Side note, for my money, is the best of that series, I think. Oh, wow. But, like, um, Rising Sun, I really don't like. Really don't, <laughs> yeah. because of that. And yeah. even though there is a, he's like, no, but there's a betrayal mechanic. It's a tile betrayal. I'm like, that, it doesn't, I, it's something about, even to the point where, like, you're making the alliance. It's like, we've been a lie in the whole game, and suddenly the last turn, you're going to hang me out to dry? Really, you're going to do right. that to me? I just, it's just, I'm getting worked up.
1: Just yeah, no, I get it. it. <laughs> and, and Rising Sun is my least favorite of that series as well. uh Not specifically for that reason, for a different reason turns out. I mean, I played a game one time just set me off because it was like before I even got the chance to take one turn, all of my options that would have done anything for me were gone. It was clear to everyone at the table that there was no way for me to dig myself out of this hole, and I hadn't even taken a turn. I had not affected the board. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and. I'm with you on that one. It's like that that betr- those betrayal tiles that you pull, right? It's like, ah, man, it's just it makes it so painful. And the board state could be once even such that your ally, it's clear that's their best move, mm-hmm. and somehow it's still personal. <laughs> I don't yep. know what it is about that game. So I definitely I understand that one.
0: All right. Well, what, what's your first of 37?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be careful here. Um, Here's one I will say. So I'll start with this one. So mechanisms that rely on you to know the deck before mm. you are good at the game. I kind of want to compete a little bit, even the first time I play the game, right? I want my, uh, uh, my intelligence or lack thereof to play its way out into the game, as opposed to memory. I mean, it's almost under the memory subcategory in a sense. So the game that comes to mind here, and it's a favorite by a lot of people, so I'm probably going to yeah, I'm going to guess, right? I'm
0: going to guess. Twilight it, Struggle.
1: Twilight Struggle is the one, I mean, you have to know how that game progresses, uh, you know, throughout the decks to play it competently, right? And given the number of games and the variety that I like to play, I'm just not going to play it that often. Um and if you're going to play that at all competitively, you kind of you can't play competitively if somebody else has played it 10 times. They understand the ebb and flow, which portions of the board are important at any given time and and I don't, right? Uh and it seems like I'm, so I feel like I'm, as much as that game is loved, I'm missing out on a little bit of the game because it's it's assumed I've played five games before I play it to be good at it. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's actually one of the reasons why um, I've never pursued it. Cause like, I don't, I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I did, but I don't, there is that intensely unsatisfying moment when you're playing and the, the card or whatever comes up you're like, I had no idea that could happen. And now everything I've done has been just blown away. That's, you know, but I mean, a lot of people really like that, you know, but it's a a level of skill
1: that- Flexibility, you want to allow the flexibility to adjust to those things. But in some of the, and I don't mind that, but in some of these games, I don't think flexibility is enough. I think in terms of, and it's not just deck, it's, you speaking about it made me think it's, it's unforeseen things you could have prepared for if you only knew that they were coming at some point in that game and they come in every game. You just don't know they're coming. Right. Seafall right. uh, yeah. from a legacy point of view kind of hit me that way. Cause you, the first couple games you're building towards something only to find out that's either a good thing you're building toward or a bad thing. And you, you had no input to tell you if it was good or bad when you started. Right. Yeah. So anyway, that's my first one. Yeah,
0: yeah no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. And I had thought about it, but I, I just don't play games like that very often. I just, yeah, I, I just, just stay away Turns from it. Turns
1: out you. I don't either anymore, Will. Yeah. <laughs> All
0: right, so here, here's my other one. This is a this is a very specific, mostly comes in dungeon crawls. I hate being stunned. Like, yeah. I, especially if it's a, uh, you're playing with, if I'm playing by myself and I'm playing, running four characters, whatever, it's fine. But if I'm not, if I got one, there's like, we're playing Gloomhaven, and it's just me, my one guy, and I'm going to lose a turn, oh it just chaps my ass. Let me tell yeah. you, It just, I don't like it. And I feel like there's other ways to put a penalty on something without making you feel like you just can't do anything. Cause losing a turn is just not fun.
1: Yes. This is in a larger category. I think, and I agree with you. This seems like I, I'll even go a bit further. I, I, it's not just a me- mechanic you don't like it's, I think it's relatively poor game design in many cases because what it's doing is it is actively taking away your fun.
0: That, and I expect surely you to can't do be that, an objective. Don. <laughs> That's like, right. You take my fun, not the game. That's
1: right. So, you know, whenever whenever anything takes your fun away, you had, because in your mind, your mind is building to a crescendo of, ooh, this is my plan. This is what I'm going to do. And now I'm going to make it. Oh, no, lose turn. It's like now it's completely wrecked. So all that build up. Then I was going to get satisfaction for trying to carry out. Uh, all that's gone. That fun has been taken away from me. It's almost a betrayal of sorts, like your first mechanic you talked about. It's it's sucking the fun out of that game for someone. It seems like so a bad, I, uh, bad design.
0: Uh, yeah, the, uh, ironically, I have no problem doing it to the game, which is <laughs> yeah. ironic. Like you know, I, and that's uh, one of the actually sitting right here behind me. This Infinity Defiance game behind me. Like there's conditions that you can put on monsters, and you get on you, and they're different. It's specifically said that they are different for each one. You know, they're yeah. So you so you've stunned the monster. It's not going to do anything. Well, that doesn't upset me because it's the game. Like it has no feelings. Oh, wouldn't it be horrible if games did have feelings? Oh my gosh, <laughs> I hurt okay. so many of them. I know I'm
1: surrounded by
0: Yeah, <laughs> but you know it doesn't because I understand the, the usefulness behind the strategy of being able to do that. But it, yeah, it just is. It is just never fun. Just like oh oh my turn. Okay, well I'm done. Yep. Go ahead and do your seven-minute turn or playing with some of your friends, your 17-minute turn Well, I just kind of sit here.
1: So so I'm going to tag one on yours, if that's okay, and that is the uh, take that, right? I think about Twilight Imperium 3rd Edition uh, in particular because there are cards you can play that just wreck other players. And it's not a you lose your turn, but it is, again, you've built up to something, I'm going to take that away from you. I, and, and in a game like Twilight Imperium, in particular, it takes a long time to build up to those things. So there's a lot of investment by the player, and you're doing something that's just taking that from them.
0: Uh, yeah, I I like take that if it is a game that is about take that.
1: If it, oh yeah
0: yeah like like or, that's like you know I enjoy playing Red Dragon Inn, but that is pure take that. Like that's what you're doing.
1: Yep, and um, it's quick, and, right? It's not a long game. Yep.
0: Like yeah. in fact, uh, we you mentioned Everdell earlier. When I play with my wife, I actually pull out. There's a couple take that cards in there. I just pull them out. Because, yeah. I mean, she's even, she's, boy, she's worse than anybody. Like, if you messed everything up, she's angry. <laughs> and if there's, like, oh, two yeah. cards in the whole deck. And, like, what if I get them both? Because I can't help myself. I will play them both. You know, that's what's going to happen. But, yeah, I'm with you. That It's the same thing. And I don't play a lot of games that do that either because if it's not the point of the game it's just well thank you for having me waste 90 minutes
1: exactly because it's
0: never a short game
1: <laughs> that's right and and again it it sucks the fun out of it not not it not just sucks the fun out it sucks the satisfaction of something you want to do out of the game right uh yeah again that's a a questionable design decision. I think I could, it could work in games, as you said, that are based around that quick, fun, light games that are based around like red dragon. And I think it's classic, uh, but when it's a long four or five, six, seven hour game. And I had a buddy years ago, he built a war sun. He spent so many turns building and he just wanted to, he just wanted to walk it out one space. My buddy played a card and said, all the orbital stations within range fire on that war sun," And it just blasted that thing out. I believe that's the closest I've ever come to having a homicide occur in my house. <laughs> well,
0: because yeah, I was thinking that story because I remember you t- telling that on uh, one of your podcasts. I was like, yeah, "Oh my gosh, so bad!" And well, it's the reason why actually I no longer have Firefly the board game.
2: Yeah, and
0: and we and I liked it as a pickup delivery game. I was playing with my wife, and I mo- I had to move the reverse right on top of her. Yeah, and it just that. Boy, it's a good thing the table was heavy. (laughs) I was going to say,
1: man, sometimes you got to let the Wookiee win. You know what I'm saying?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't realize. That was the first time I found out that um, the Wookiee needs to win (laughs) sometimes. But like, in retrospect, like that's the same thing. Like it was, it wasn't because she didn't win. It's because she had worked on a plan for a long time and almost arbitrarily, I was like, boop. Sorry, plan. (laughs) Sorry, seven hours of Twilight Imperium to play your war son.
1: That thing's about to go away. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so all those under one category, I think, makes sense, right? Uh, Another one, if you don't mind me jumping to the next one. Oh, yeah,
0: well, I'm I'm actually through my list, and so you you go. That's right. But bounce on through the. Judiciously from
1: mine, uh, since I do have so many here. You know, if I look at these themes throughout my list, it's that these are mechanics I don't mind so much, but they're easy to do wrong. And mm-hmm. if, the, you know, if you do them wrong, then it can be a problem. I'll give you a great example. That's my first one on the list. So if there's too much randomness uh, associated with some kind of bag building mechanism you're doing, uh, the game that comes to mind is Thieves. I played this game, and a lot of people think it's a classic game. This is from like 15 years ago. And there's a mechanism, if I remember correctly, a mechanic where you, you dig in the desert to try to find things. And so you pull some, some chits from the bag and those chits can either be sand or they can be treasures that you found. And when we played that game, um, I had a buddy, my buddy, Steve, and he, he pulled from the bag and he was pulling like three chits, I think. And he got three nice treasures and I was pulling five chits and I got like four sand and something bad. It's like, you gotta be kidding me it was just so swingy, and it just ruined that aspect of the game. And that aspect, that mechanic was such a central portion of that game, such a significant part. It ruined the whole game for me. I literally have never played thieves to this day, nor will I play thieves, even though people love that game. So
0: Steve sends you bags of sand all the time to remind (laughs) you. Well,
1: I got a story out of it. That's all I got out of it. But I, you know, I couldn't help but think it's like, we could have just sat here and rolled dice for a while. and just, you know, whoever got the highest number wins the game. Um, because that's how random it felt. Now, compare that to a game that does bag building very well, and that's Quacks of Quedlinburg. So that game I love. There's a push-your-luck aspect to it. Um, You're always progressing. It comes down to... You you never... You always get enough warnings of the bads coming, whereas in Thebes, it was just like a complete roll of the dice. You know, It's either really good or really bad, and in Quacks, you're sort of pushing your luck. So again, an example where it can be done Poorly, in my opinion, and can you know can can be a mechanic that sort of irritates you in a game.
0: Yeah, I know um, several people actually. One, well, a buddy of mine, um, Bernie Lynn, He's the designer of uh, Omicron Protocol, and uh, which, oh, unfortunately, titled name. Let me tell you, oh,
2: like bet, yeah,
0: five yeah. years they work on this game. It's on the boat now, or just about to be on the boat. And now they got this going. Like they actually used to use hashtag Omicron. Oh,
1: really? Yeah,
0: they don't use that anymore. I was but, about to
1: say that's not a good move.
0: No, now. no, no, no. But um game that uh you've talked about for uh, Galaxy Galaxy Hunters. Yes. And the 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 dice mechanic part of it is, you know, I really like. You know, it's not determined you're rolling dice. And we were playing, and it's actually ties into both the kind of the randomness and what I said earlier about losing a turn is he got really turned off by the game halfway through or two-thirds of the way through because he'd built up all these dice and he just rolled them all and they all missed and so he just lost a turn you had you know what 20 turns you have in that game yeah like suddenly he lost five percent and you know for for him he's like I, I i that that is boy that is not fun i don't like this at all and for me i'm like oh dice throwing dice and that's how it goes but that kind of thing, it's like it's a very fine line. And I think that's one of those things that it's the individual players, you really got to stop and think of what kind of person are we playing with? You know, oh, yeah. it's Will, maybe not play diplomacy. You know?
1: right. <laughs>
0: or really, it's anybody, maybe not play diplomacy. <laughs> that's
1: right. It's a human. Maybe I shouldn't play diplomacy with them. <laughs> um, so right, I'll, well, jump, we'll, I'll jump into the next one here. Oh, oh is, wow. Uh, you know,
0: everybody, you need to know that on our dock here. Don is going through and, and, and color coding on the fly. I just want you to know like that, that is professional podcast material here. <laughs> now, of course, I don't know what the colors mean. So I don't know if he's going to talk yeah, about that, the colored ones or not.
1: So it's not that good. <laughs> I'm making changes that nobody knows what they mean. this These are the, the remaining ones I'm going to pull from. So here's one I really hate. And to be honest, I have, I'm not sure of a game I love that has this mechanic in it at all. And that is Line of Sight. So whenever you have to measure line of sight in a game, um, it just the game comes to a halt while I imagine a string between a dot in this square and a dot in this square, and I have to figure out, is this corner of the wall, which it hits, does that count or not? Let me go into the rule book and see if corner, you know, it's like, it's just so clunky.
0: Well, that, I'm, I'm going to send you a link after this because it changed my world. Okay. This thing, it goes on top of a drill. Just a little straight-line laser. Did you
1: just lay on there?
0: It is life-changing for those games. But I'm with you. Line of sight is annoying as heck. And I think uh, Unmatched is just color-coded, I think.
1: Yes, it is. And that that simplifies it, right? Yep. So I don't mind that so much because I don't have to stop the game. I can tell. So in my mind, I just go, okay, it's... Does my space and your space? They have the same color on the circle. Boom. So, so a text can go between those two spaces. We, you know, we can see each other. But anytime I've got to imagine, okay, I can use any corner on this square, but it goes to the center of this square, and then our corners include. You know, it's just uh it just seems yeah. clunky. Yeah, and And that just, just, just me make just make it simple.
0: Game. Just just make it yeah, simple. Exactly. You know, I, I'm I'm a f- more of a fan of uh, you know. Like I get line that's important. <laughs> like like it, that matters. You know, if you're trying to immerse yourself. But I'm more of a just any corner, any any corner to corner. Okay, great. Or center yeah. to center. Like that's it. Just m- yeah. make it simple. And I, I will say, I I my stupid little seven dollar laser has been just life changing on that. Well, Sydney, my imagination, maybe is not... I'll
1: change my mind on. Maybe
0: well, signs. because it's a, it's amazing how good my imagination is as I imagine my line <laughs> versus their line. It's it's funny. It's like you know, yeah. like I I try not to cheat, but. You make me imagine. My imagination's pretty good.
1: So I'll tell you another one sort of another one of mechanics I that can be a pet peeve for me is the movement templates. So this is another favorite I'm referring to, and that's X Wing. When you have to lay those templates down and move things around, you gotta have a big table to do this on. And I don't know, it just seems so loosey goosey in a sense. Uh, because you're you're moving things around, you're using these templates to figure out if anything's in your firing range or not, and it's just it's just too loose for me, at least, right? um It's very thematic, don't get me wrong, but it's just something I don't enjoy. And usually for games that employ it, like X Wing, it is so central to the gameplay that that's what the game is about, right?
0: Yeah, I, I really, and measuring in general, I rarely am, am into it. I just, it's just a step further than I want to go. Like, give me squares. Yeah. Give me squares. Give me hexes. Whatever. Give
1: me a board. Yeah. yeah. But there are some games that have done some interesting things. Like, you think about, uh, is it Star 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 Trek Expeditions or Fleet Captains? It's I'm sorry I'm gonna get this name wrong, but it's whatever. It's very much like your uh, Shiver Me Timbers you talked about, where you sort of build that board out of the, out of the nodes, mm. and that you know connects things. I don't mind that at all because it's simplifying those you know where I can move and what I can do. But whenever I've got to take the template out, eh, I don't dig that.
2: Yeah. All right. What's the next one? What's the next? Okay,
1: so I only got two more here. So the next one is one that can be done very good or very bad and that is blind bidding now you talk about aunt gods of egypt being your your favorite game in that series it has an aspect of that too whenever you play the 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 plague cards right because Mm -hmm. you are bidding followers if i recall and you reveal and whoever's got the most um,
0: wins that battle yeah
1: yeah yep now do both sides lose all of the followers they bid
0: yeah yeah everybody loses it and it's funny you say that that is my least favorite part Ah, okay now when I say it, it's my favorite of the the, the three games, um, I don't love it. I'm glad Matt has it. I wouldn't buy it, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I don't. That one mechanic and Rising Sun has something like that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't. I don't like that because it's so central to what's going to happen. Now, there's a game that uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you to play in a few months before it hits Kickstarter called called Lunar Rush coming, which has a, a bidding mechanic which doesn't bother me
2: yeah.
0: and it's a you're doing a bid at the very beginning like you're bidding your points and you're going to bid your points to get first choice on something yeah. beginning of the turn is done boom move on but something about it for me in the middle of the game we're going to stop and do this bidding thing and i'm just going to lose i
1: that's it, a, you hit it on the head, Will. Yeah, I'm losing resources, Either and I'm gonna get nothing or for nothing,
0: nothing. Yes, and it, you know, if I'm gonna bid, at least let me still get something. And so, like this game, Lunar Rush, like you're right. still gonna get a spot, it just might not right. be as high a spot. You're gonna get something, and I, I think that's probably it. I, I so I just i might as well just set this board on fire because I've just given it away for nothing.
1: Yeah, that's uh, so I think you hit it on the head, right? Whenever you're bidding that way for turn order, something you're getting something for it, whenever you're bidding in. Uh, you know, the plague cards for, and to be honest, I don't mind them that much. It's just an example. It's not a cent- so central to the game that I, you know, like I said, I i like Ankh overall. It's just this particular aspect because I'm giving away resources and getting nothing in return. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit, it's quite a bit of a guessing game. That's the point, right? It builds suspense. But uh yeah, some people dig it, not me so much.
2: All right, and what the last what, thing, the, what's the last the mechanic line?
1: here, yeah. This is the biggest one. I, I can't remember ever really enjoying a game that had this mechanic. And every game that has this mechanic, it seems to be central to that game. And that's real-time actions. So games like Escape um, or Project Elite, where you are rolling dice and and very furiously trying to do things and and move things and whatever. The problem I have with that it's so easy to, if it's a competitive game, for someone to cheat, you have no idea. And maybe they don't have an idea, right? Most people we play with, they're all of noble intent, but they could mess up and nobody knows, right? Uh if it's a cooperative game, I also don't want to, you know, I look down, it's like, okay, we just won. I have no idea if we did it all correctly, right? Um, so it seems like you lose a little bit of the the tightness of the game by laying this real time aspect on top of it.
0: Yeah, that's one where like with the take that and betrayal aspects i like it if that's what the game's about like like right here next to me i got this this game here about building meat skewers it's a real-time dexterity game but that's the whole game like we're going to race who builds a skewer oh stop the clock don your skewer is garbage that's not right keep going but yeah I, I don't i don't own project elite i don't you know any of those things i just don't uh if i want to play a real-time game i'll play that, or I'll get uh, uh, play. Stay cool, or something like that. Which is yeah. that's all, all it's all about. Yeah, so I'm, I'm with you on that one.
1: Yeah. Anyway, that's my list. I'm. I've left off a bunch of things here, but again, each of these are everybody. He's left off eighty percent of his <laughs> list. These are either tied to things that you said, or you know, they're they they just can be done wrong in games, which is almost every mechanic, right?
0: Yeah. Though no, I will say, it looks like you got take that on there like three times. So you really don't like take that.
1: I really don't like take that.
0: <laughs> no, no, maybe twice. Okay. So uh everybody, I think this, I think this is actually the last time we're gonna see this next particular uh sovereignty commercial. Again, thank you to Sovereignty for sponsoring not only the podcast, but now the whole channel. And if you want to check out the digital gaming platform down in the comments, there is a free 60 day platinum membership, though. You can also sign up for free. But the platinum everyone wants platinum, right? Tom wants some platinum. Okay. I'm telling him free platinum. He's thinking about signing up. He doesn't even know what it is. He's thinking about exactly signing up. Um, so check that out and enjoy the maybe last time for this commercial. Boom! And now a word from our sponsor. Play some games. I just can't play games with you today.
1: Not tonight. They just dropped Far Cry Six, and I I need to get into that.
0: Yeah, nah, mate.
2: Sorry, I gotta put those prawns in the barbie. Ah, uh, no, no, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think we can. There's like a there's a football game on, right? Yeah, yeah. we gotta play football. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I've got that really important unboxing of Spider-Man Uno. Look, it says it's fast and fun for everyone. I wish I could, but I have rehearsal. I would. Just one small problem. You're 5,000 miles away.
1: Yeah, sorry, man. I can't. I'm heading over to the milkshack today. They are having a sale to die for. Uh, Tonight's the night for my noggin waxing. Sorry, I can't.
2: I have to water my artificial plants.
0: I guess no one wants to play games with me. Hey, do you want to play some board games? Well, how do I do that? There's a whole community of people waiting to play with you. Really? I can come right now? Right now, but particularly on Tuesday nights. <laughs> okay, let's go! <laughs> Sovereignty. Play board games in a 3D environment on any device. Play Smarter. You can find more information about Sovereignty in the description of this podcast or video. All right, everybody, welcome back. And now we're going to move into our review game. I know it feels like we've already reviewed like 30 games, but we're actually going to dig a little bit deep into Root from Leader Games. Now, this, this is one that's been out for a while, and the fun thing about this, or funny or sad, I don't know how you want to put it, is Don is actually the fifth person who has said we can talk about Root but he is the first one to not cancel. So, oh, look at that. Yeah, it's been going a a long time. Really. So you know, you're not even batting cleanup here, Don. I don't even know what they call that.
1: <laughs> Whatever fifth place is.
0: Yeah. But so root for anybody who doesn't know, root is a area control troops on a map style game. I don't quite know what coin games means. A counterinsurgency, but everyone always says that is one of those. I don't quite know how that works. But you are a woodland faction, and now with the coming expansion, I think it's coming in March or May, something like that, I think there's 10 different factions that you can play of these woodland animals. All of them play completely differently outside of the core game of you kill somebody's token and you get a point, and first person to 30 points is going to win, usually. And it is in- intensely popular everyone loves this game it's very it's a very challenging game to learn because like i said each of these factions are completely different you might have one the birds which are a programmer game and you have to do these different things each turn or your whole engine is just going to break down on you or maybe you are the vagabond which just has one unit and is running all over the place helping everybody until they want to well turn on them and start killing them or until someone turns on the vagabond or maybe you are going to be the otters who are literally going to be running a market and trying to convince people to buy their crap throughout the game because it'll help them while helping you more and so on and so on and so on. And I'll let you kind of start on this, Don. Well, What what do you like about Root?
1: Yeah, I like the fact that, so first of all, I think it's amazing uh, that Uh, Cole Worley has been able to take a counterinsurgency war game, which is really what this is, right? A counterinsurgency war game and laid this uh, layer of fur on top of it, this woodland creature layer of fur to make it all cute. And suddenly it's this very popular game. I think that popularity is well-deserved because, as you said, each of the faction plays differently. And that asymmetry I find intriguing from a balanced point of view. Right, that each of them has a chance to win, even though they all play completely differently within the you know the structured uh, sequence of a turn.
0: The thing that's interesting about the the asymmetry is anybody you talk to that's played a lot of this game is going to have a different faction than that one is their favorite, and two that is the overpowered one, which that's I right. find <laughs> fascinating. And I think that is a, and, you know, they go through, they make lots of balance changes. There's constantly, you know, they sell and giving you stickers and, you know, reprint this and whatever. But everybody I know has a different one that they think is overpowered, which I think to me is a sign of a pretty darn well-balanced game and shows that the asymmetry is done right because I feel like what it's doing is it's speaking to different personality types of what type of game you, you want to be. Like, if you just want to be straight up aggressive and go get them real quick, you can play, play the catch, right? If you want to play the long game, You're going to play the, the, well, the lizards or the otters or something. You you, you take your time. And I I think that that is a fantastic uh, bit about the game with a relatively, the core game is relatively simple. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to have more troops to leave a space to move to another connecting space. You're going to fight, roll two dice, done. You know, build some stuff, whatever it is you're going to do. Of course, it is super cute. And I, I have a, yeah. in my age, I have suddenly developed a huge love for anthropomorphic animals. I don't know why, <laughs> but man, you you put anthropomorphic animal in there, I'm in. I'm sold.
1: So that was one of the things that actually turned me off to this game originally. Uh, but then after I played it, the the gameplay sold me on it, and even more, it's like I started to like it because I like the gameplay so much. Right, the affection I had for the gameplay bled over into the anthropomorphic uh, animal aspect of it.
0: And now you found yourself going to furry conventions. That's interesting.
1: <laughs> not quite, not quite. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I love the fact you pointed. You hit it on the head, I think, which each of these faction types sort of appeal to different types of, of of personalities, right? You think about the Marquita Cat in the base game, and they start ahead militarily, right? They own stuff. They are the military-industrial complex. Um now, I don't find any affinity for that because I don't particularly enjoy, not that I haven't played the Marquita Cat, I have, and and I like it. But given my choice, I'd rather play something else because it's this idea of starting strong and simply trying to hang on to my territory while I'm being nipped at by all these other factions. That is not the most attractive thing to me. The Vagabond to me is the most attractive thing because I think about the Vagabond sort of like a a little raccoon Batman, right? He's ducking in and out of all these other factions and he's helping here and hurting there and he's sort of he's manipulating all of them to try to give himself an advantage. And I love the fact that, you know, once you've played it a few times, you see these these underlying strategies you can take. The the Vagabond can get so much affinity with your faction that basically he will march your faction pieces out of a spot that's very important to you to deny you something. So it's almost like he's turned your troops into his troops. And that's just very intriguing to me, right? Yeah. You talk about the Woodland Alliance.
0: Yeah, well, the, 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 before you go uh, off so the Vagabond, so, so one of the things, well, that's the, the cuteness of the game is playing into your, your part. Because I've played <laughs> multiple games at conventions where we taught somebody and there was, you know, someone is as, as, as the Vagabond. And they're going through and we would stop and say, you know, we tried to you know, give some broad tips at the beginning. And one of the tips we always give is, everybody, you have to punch the Vagabond in the face <laughs> or they yeah. will win like period like you don't have to draw all the time but every morning you gotta you gotta punch him in the face a little bit people are like oh but he's so cute We're like no it's not it's not cute
1: he's giving me all these nice things
0: but you know it, but it it's true in, it, in the way people play in the table talk i know you, you you like table talk oh i love it that can play such a huge part in it especially like with the vagabond of you know, just kind of convincing people you know I'm, there's only one of me there's 57 cats on the table come right, on exactly you
1: know? go after the big guy yeah, and they're right. You said that you know you gotta you gotta hit the make sure you hit the vagabond. I could say the same thing about the woodland alliance because the woodland alliance, they're the guerrilla faction, right? Yep. They're the, they're sort of the revolutionaries amongst the the woodland populace that are building up power very quietly behind the scenes. It's hard to directly attack them because one of the things is when you roll the two dice for them, uh, you know they take the higher of the two dice. Yep. So uh, you know it's very very difficult. To to beat them, uh, because they're again, it's guerrilla warfare. They are simply fighting on a different uh, terrain, landscape, mission terrain than you are. Yeah, um, and, and they that, well, build the, up the, very slowly. Yeah,
0: well, in the in the core box, the wooden alliance is probably my favorite.
1: Oh yeah, me too. Yeah,
0: just you know the the you know the, they're just, they're just so so chaotic, and you can just kind of pop up everywhere. On the flip side, in the, in the core game the birds are my least favorite let me tell you my brain
1: does not work on the birds (laughs) they're my second favorite this is going to be interesting well so so why do you you not like them just or or why do they not draw you i'm
0: so bad at it it's that long-term thinking i just can't you know just give me give me my chaos give me my chaos you know that 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 is so orderly and so like so my, my my brother steve who uh uh is very much a he's like you he's a math science kind of brain guy you know he can he can he can do all that math stuff you know like beyond you know my times tens right and so he can plan that out and he can figure it out but for me i'm like yeah okay this will go here and yeah okay that's good enough but you can't do that or you're gonna lose
1: and the thing Um, is after playing the irie which is the faction name right of the birds we call them the birds but the irie uh it's all about doing what you need to do and expanding, but not leaving yourself vulnerable, but to to someone subverting the program that you're laying out, because you're going to have to add to it. It is very fragile to the point where you look down. I've played them plenty of times where I look down like, Oh no. If this player attacks me in this one spot and they're almost sure to win, my complete program is going to fall apart. And there's this delicious tension of, waiting to see what they're going to do and most of the time i will say you know a a satisfaction with they didn't see it they're not doing that they're doing something else so this fragility as you said associated with them uh you know that adds to a lot of of enjoyment for me for playing that faction
0: yeah and it's even i mean it's it is so fragile though there's times when it can be literally if i just move one animal (laughs) to this one place i don't have to do it just move one your whole empire collapses and your leader gets fired which to watch happen is amazing but it's like oh my gosh for me it's so frustrating but we've been talking about it so now but think about all the different factions out there Whoop, which ones are your favorites out of all of them we we're just talking the core box a little bit
1: yeah well i've only played the core box but i'm oh. very drawn to i'm very drawn to the. Um... Uh, is it the otters, the ones that move up and down the river and sell yep. things? They put things for mm-hmm. sale. Uh, I'm very intrigued by them. Maybe I did play one game with them. Uh, well, so the
0: fun thing about the otters is and they're interested. So the otters are very fragile, I think, if depending on who's around the table, mm-hmm. because so my my buddy Matt, for the most part, if I'm playing the otters, he just is like, I'm not buying, period. Oh, yeah. He's not going to do it, and so that they are very dependent on getting other people to kind of get to give them stuff and it's the balance of trying to make it attractive enough to them or being able to predict so you as the playing the irie i can see if i can figure out what that one fragile thing is and make sure that i've mucked it up but hey but for just four four of your workers here you could buy this card for me which would fix it Hey, I'm not telling you what to do, Don, but if you don't want your empire to collapse, you can do this at, you know, top dollar. So it's got that fun, but you have to have a table that will play that game.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. The game can break in these instances where uh, three quarters of the table agree to simply not allow that last faction any traction. So, for instance, they say, okay, we just won't buy. Nobody buys and they can't get it, you know, then we don't have to worry about that faction that's a possibility now i think that's playing against the um the spirit of the game a little bit so i hope that most groups don't do that but as far as from a rules lawyer point of view it can be done yeah you know the wooden alliance is the same way if you just pop the wooden alliance every time you know they they survive and thrive on you sort of ignoring them a little too long yep
0: yeah suddenly they're you're one turn too long and suddenly they got a foothold and it's annoying it's
1: like oh, we let them get a little too far and now they're ahead and it's this, I can't control the snowball now. But yeah, if then, you're then there's the fun bit of return, you're trying to get
0: everyone else around the table to
1: stop, stop messing with me right now while we deal with these stupid mice. Right. You know? And you point, you say, you know, this cat, the military industrial complex is simply out of control. Why are you worried about me? We're peaceful people. Again, <laughs> until I find a rock.
0: Yep. And I think uh, <laughs> my favorite of all of them though is the lizards
1: ah i thought they they were relatively underpowered compared to us maybe they've errated that and fixed that a little bit they got a little bit
0: of a boost and a big part of it is the theme behind the lizards is so off the dang wall there's this little cult and suddenly i'm literally gonna turn your bird into a lizard i don't know how that works but i did it like now you are a lizard and they're very stagnant it's very hard to move them around because it's very, the rules are very clear and you know, they get to choose where they move and what happens based on the cards. Everybody else around the table has played. And so all these cards come to them and it moves around this little, it's called the outcast and whatever clearing color is the most cards they've gotten, that's where they can move and do stuff. But it's very challenging and they put out these gardens that mean they always dominate, which is a nightmare for the, the iries
1: from a movement point of view Mm -hmm. i would imagine yeah yeah
0: but it's just it's just so funny to me these lizards that i was like you know it's like the creepy jehovah's witness of the forest (laughs) like
1: it's just good i do like these cultists that are just popping up all over the place causing problems i like that theme to be honest so maybe the lizards now that they've bumped them up a little bit will be one of my favorite i I I think you need to
0: i think you need to go out and get the other factions that are out there because it really does And the 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 newest ones that are out, the moles they have this like they literally tunnel up out of the ground. They just show up everywhere, and they have these nobles or whatever that you're putting out there. They're getting more abilities, but they're taking stuff away. And then you have the 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 crows, which are crazy pants. Like they put these little tokens out all over the board, and if you can come to my token and guess what's underneath it, I just lose it. Like it's gone if you guess right. But if you don't, things happen. And all of them, and I've also played online the Warlords and the Badgers, the I don't know, whatever, the, the Rats and the Badgers, I think, are the new ones. I don't know. But all of them are equally different,
2: mm-hmm. which
0: is gives the game a lot, a lot of replay, I think, um, and a built-in handicap. So for me, if I, I'm not very good at the game, but if I'm playing as people who've never played, I'll just play the I'll play the Irie, and it'll be we'll be on even footing. Don't you worry. Right, right. You know, so I, I think it really is a, a masterpiece of um, asymmetricness. But I will say, I like Mysterious Manor more.
1: Oh, really? I have still have yet to play that. Oh man,
0: two years' shame. Now I know Mysterious Manner is far more fragile. Really? Oh, very much so because it's because you're able to ignore some people on the board mm. so if i'm playing the warlock i don't care what the spider's doing like whatever you do you i'm going to leave you alone that is somebody else's problem but so if you have someone in there that just can't figure out what's going on like if you are playing the the paladin or whatever and you need to pay attention to what the spider's doing and you don't because you get distracted then you are guaranteed giving the game to you know the other so it's oh, much more fragile it's much harder to learn because you're not even playing the same game right but so for, for me you know that that that's there because it's even more asymmetric but let me tell you root is a game that I should not like <laughs> I just shouldn't because I don't like that kind of game it has all that stuff to where we can be working together and then you're going to stab me in the back it's got to take that cards in there got everything that we've been complaining about yet it is so well crafted that it just it just works, you know, for, for yeah. me.
1: And, and not, I don't think I'm very different in that regard. I think with you, like you, it's like I I don't know that this type of game really draws me, but something about this one does. Uh, it's hard to teach uh, because you've got to teach four different games, yeah. but the satisfaction associated with how that game plays out every time is very much worth that teach to me. I'm not a fan of the anthropomorphic overlay you uh, are coming I, around i don't mind it yeah i don't We're mind coming it now. around i'll tell you one thing i really like a lot and that's most of the games seem to end with this race to the 30 points but there is an alternative win condition and there are these cards these dominance cards you lay down they basically say you know control these different areas this subset of the areas the trick is you have to play those and then have that whatever that is satisfied at the beginning of your next turn or in your following turns right and uh and so everybody gets a chance to sort of stop you. So the trick there is to get that card, manipulate the board in a way where you can, you know, sort of semi-announce by playing the card. That's what you're looking to do, and then deny other people the ability to stop you before the beginning of your next turn. And I always like those alternative end conditions where there's always this curveball that can come in and change things up, because it allows another opportunity for a clever play. Right. And even if you lose to those clever plays. You enjoy it because you're like you admire the cleverness of it, right? And uh, you know, just that little those small type things that Cole Worley did just make this game magical.
0: Yeah, it's it it's really, really cleverly done. And there's also a a very well done solo co op mode that mm-hmm. exists. And it's a it's a little more complicated than I like in my cause it's a it's a flow chart, I guess. And each one's very different, but it does, it works really, really well. It's out there. So, you know, people were like, I don't know, but the solo co-op's really good. It's got a good app out. That was oh, yeah. a really good way to learn the game. So.
1: And a good steam, a steam game. That yeah, like, yeah, the yeah, steam that's out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's what I meant. Yeah. Oh, is that what
1: you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. V- that's um, very good. Very well done. Yep.
0: Yeah. But so, you know, no hot takes here. Uh, we both like it. Yeah. Um, and well, I guess the hot take is that you're now a furry, I guess.
1: <laughs> something like that. Yeah, Let's start with Otter and work our way up.
0: Wow. <laughs> I, I would have thought Otter was the top, but you know, <laughs> you, your top is lizard.
1: <laughs> Maybe that's it. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to send it to the leader of the cult. That'd be great.
0: Yeah. well, I'm hoping you are the leader. Now the uh, the last thing we want to say, we're going to take a quick break. So as we mentioned a couple of times briefly uh, in passing, so Don is part of the secret cabal and they've been on hiatus for a bit. And that's because their fearless leader, is having some, some, some health problems. And, uh, I I know for myself, I've listened to secret cabal for several years, about a year or two before Don Don came on. And even despite that, I've stayed listening. (laughs) Um, but, uh, so I know for myself, I really like just wish everybody all the best, but, uh, I want to give Don a chance to just talk a little bit about what's going on, what's happening and, uh, beyond well wishes and, you know, listening to all the stuff, how, you know if you're if you're concerned how you can get information and all that about what's happening
1: yep and Jamie's been quite open about this so um, uh, Jamie Kage who's been who who was one of the original founders and is uh you know it's his job to produce the podcast right because we have a uh, an, an annual Kickstarter uh, just threw a, a little bit of a wrinkle into that as well uh, anyway he found out around Christmas time that he had a growth in his esophagus he found that because he had been for the last few months even back to origins uh, having difficulty breathing and it's because that growth was growing and pushing on his onto his left lung, I believe, which was, you know, putting a lot of stress there. Infection was building up that type of thing. And, um, and it got so bad around Christmas time that his wife took him to the hospital because he was having a lot of difficulty breathing, uh, at different various times they had thought it was potentially COVID. He got tested. It was not COVID or anything like that. And so <clears throat> they found out that this growth was there and it was pushing. And unfortunately, He found out in short order behind that 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 growth was cancer. Um, So, you know, that's definitely not the news that you want to get, either as Jamie himself or as, uh, you know, one of his close friends, that there was some silver lining there. And that is that the doctors felt that they're, you know, they could do some aggressive treatment. It would be successful, and knock on wood, that is going well. And we are about a month and a half past that original diagnosis. And um, he's currently undergoing radiation treatment, chemotherapy to shrink that mass so that they can remove it. They are very confident that when they remove it, he will be cancer free uh, and well back on the road to recovery. But of course, the radiation treatments, the chemotherapy, uh, you know, the the growth and the effect on his breathing capabilities itself, all that stuff has put him into a condition where he just doesn't have the energy uh, to to produce the podcast right now, so we're on a bit of a hiatus, but we have every belief that hiatus will be a brief one even if it doesn't feel so brief to the listeners or us but we hope to be back as Jamie would say and has said uh back and better than ever very soon so we are really looking forward to the next time that we get together with Jamie at the helm and record another episode of the secret of ball gaming podcast. But we anticipate that is probably a couple months out because right now where he's at in the treatment is they have, like I said, he's, he's uh, I think he has about another week of, of radiation treatments. And then they're going to talk about the aggressive plan to, you know, excise this growth and cut that thing out. And then he's going to have to heal from that a bit. So we're talking some weeks or months out before he can get back to, uh, you know, back to full health. We are, the rest of the founders, we're waiting uh, patiently and lovingly for that to happen. We're looking forward to uh, all of us getting back together and producing more podcasts. So if you want information on how Jamie's doing and what's kind of going on, you can go to the board game geek form. It's the secret cabal form, which is form number one, one, four, five on board game geek. There is a long thread of well wishes for Jamie, as well as uh, updates that he's provided Uh, further. You can follow us on Facebook. And um, again, you just search for the secret cabal gaming podcast. It should be the first thing that pops up. And he is posting uh, he has posted, I should say, updates there, and also some a short update, which is there to to listen to, and it basically goes to what I told you about earlier about that this whole uh, you know this this thing Jamie's going through and kind of where he's at in the treatment at a given time. So, uh, you know, always looking for prayers, uh, well wishes, good thoughts, uh, whatever you can provide, and uh, he appreciates that very much, as he appreciates hearing from all the Kabbalists that are very anxious for uh, not only for there to be more secret cabal content, which there will be. But also uh, anxious for for Jamie to get better. Right, it's a very, I mean, to be honest, a very loving community that uh, of the Secret Cabal uh, listeners, and they have definitely let their love for Jamie be known. It's very, very much appreciated. So that's the situation with the Secret Cabal. We expect to be back relatively soon, even though it may not feel very soon right now.
0: All right, well, thank God. I know. Um. Well, we're all wishing him the best. And again, anybody down there, go. Find him on Facebook. You can leave your thoughts and everything, and uh, I'm certain that is appreciated. Or if you want to just uh, help help out, you can find Don and send him games that he needs to buy recommendations. <laughs> and I'm sure Jamie will appreciate Don being a junkie as well.
1: Uh, don't worry, we're staying, we're staying, uh, we're all staying in touch. And uh, Jamie and I are even. I-, I noticed just a few days ago that he had uh, he had back to Kickstarter, and I just sent him a quick text and said, "Man, I love to see you back at Kickstarter." He's like, "Yeah." He says, I'm dying to get back to it. So he's definitely, his mind is there and and hopefully physically we can get around the table relatively soon, play some games and share uh, our love for those games and our experiences with the Cabalas.
0: All right, so we have reached the end of a longer than usual episode, but that is okay by me. And so Don, now I hope you remember what you said last time because you can't repeat it. Leave us with your words of gaming wisdom. Now, I'm going to of- stop you if you start repeating. I, I remember. <laughs> Remember. Do you really?
1: My words of gaming wisdom. So I think my words of gaming wisdom this time will be very brief and they will be there is no greater joy that a board gamer can have than uh, finding the hungry gamer will and playing a game that does not normally have betrayal in it and just betraying the hell out of him at some point that he does not see coming. And then when he looks so angry, just look at him and say, don't you love board games? And you have to admit he does.
0: I, I can't wait to see it at Origins now. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm going to be watching gauntlet. you like a hawk. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. Why are you moving that cube? What does that, that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> it's going to be the longest game ever. The analysis paralysis is going to be so deep on me. Ah,
1: uh, It's going to be great. Uh, Talk about uh, the meta meta game.
0: Yeah. you You, you started messing with me six months before the game that's right <laughs> all right but you know uh, don thank you so much for for joining me yet again everybody you can find links down in the description of the podcast or video whichever way you're consuming this where you can find links to Secret the ball so you can check them out subscribe on whatever your podcast app is and all of that uh, as always don thank you so much for joining me everybody have a wonderful wonderful day
1: thanks for having me have a good one
2: kids it's hard to keep
1: them digging yeah. their nose in and touching their buddy you know what I'm, saying? Yeah. <laughs> I'm from lower alabama i mean we're like 10 miles from florida so yeah i get it man oh, awesome we're gonna, we're gonna talk about something. all of it okay i, 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 I mean, just figured
0: you were going through withdrawal
1: <laughs> i am a little bit man i'm looking forward to talking about that i don't want to ruin it though now i got a sticker everything my buddy Wheels sticker i'm full of chris chris miller my buddy Wheels got it i gotta get it so i don't believe in bigfoot at all but the shows fascinate the hell out of me so that game is great. Ah,
2: the game is so damn good, Will.